Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. I'm your host, Paul Valley. He is Zach Goodman, Zachary Allen Goodman, my co-host and Zachary produ- Allen Goodman and producer. Wouldn't be another way to start the show other no, than that. That's no, the way to start. No, the Zachary show. Allen Goodman just Zach. gets everyone in the mood. I zig, he zags. Um, welcome to the Bat Around. Another gloomy but nice day here in the Baltimore Towson area. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines and you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for new deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Orioles, big time winners over the formerly um... What's the word I'm looking for? I was <laughs> formidable. <laughs> the formerly formidable New yeah, York yeah. Mets. I think mm-hmm. I threw myself saying formerly when I was trying to say Something formidable. Like that. Something Over like the that. formerly formidable New York Mets, Orioles with a big time victory last night, ten to three over those Mets. Um you look at Dean Kramer, gets into the sixth inning. He had only allowed two hits and one walk in the uh in the game and no runs. He gets one out in the sixth inning, and then he walks three straight batters on like 14 pitches and finds himself uh, with the game tied after giving up a two-run single to Francisco Lindor, and it's now uh, 2-2, and he's leaving the game. The Orioles, though, they manage to come in with Michael Bauman. He gets a double play to get out of the inning, and then the Orioles immediately score to go back up on top, eventually taking the game 10-3. James McCann, against his former team, reached base all four times, three for three, a double, two singles, five RBIs for James McCann. Uh, Jordan Westberg, two for two, I'm sorry, two for three, two walks, a home run, three RBIs. The more I watch him play, the more I think he 100% belongs. And I want to see him play more. Um, with Jordan Westberg, it was, there was a point where he sat like three or four straight games, just like Colton Cowser Right before has. the deadline, I think it was. Yeah, where he, he just wasn't playing. And I understand it because Adam Frazier's having power and production-wise a career year. Yeah. Um, and he's, got a, he's barreling up the ball more than he ever has. The average leaves a lot to be desired, but he's productive when he's making his contact. But Jordan Westberg proven he belongs uh, on the field just about every day. Um, Orioles keep rolling along. They took three of four from uh, Tampa Bay, lost two of three to the, to the Phillies. It, it, they should have won two of three yeah. in that yeah. series. Blew a save in game two. It would have given them the series win. But then they take two or three from the Yankees, three or four from the Blue Jays, and now they've taken the first game from a reeling Mets team that traded away just about everybody not named Brandon Nimmo and Pete Alonso. Right. And uh, look, I don't see any reason why the Orioles shouldn't sweep the series. Well, right. And I want to go back to the Blue Jays because I think that's the really significant series for the Orioles because I I can't remember who was on GCR the other day, but someone came on and said, it's not really the Rays that scares me. It's the Blue Jays in this division. And I, I kind of have to agree with that. The Rays, they've played, what, 500 ball over the past month and a half, two months or so. They haven't mm-hmm. been quite as good. And I, I don't know, that was that was a week ago or, no, or so now that that stat came out. But I look at the Rays and I go, okay, they're scary, but they've had injuries. The Blue Jays scare me more. And then the Orioles go in and take three out of four. And that kind of changed my perspective on it. I don't know if the Blue Jays are really that good. I'm really, I mean, you've got a guy like George Springer 
who had a few big hits in that series, actually, and especially in the series. In the, well, in the he one came game into they the won. series 0 for his last 34. Right, and then had a few big hits. And I believe the one game they won, he had one of the deciding hits in that game. But other than that, uh, they're really isn't a lot of great going on for the Blue Jays right now. Well, so my perspective's kind of changed. It's funny because back in May when the Orioles went to Toronto uh, for the first time, Toronto had won like five of six. Yeah. And they were really starting to turn things on and the Orioles swept them. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to this past series against Toronto and Toronto had, had won, what was it, like 11 of 15 or something like that. They were playing really yeah. good baseball. Right. And then the Orioles came in and kicked them in the teeth again, right. took, took three right. of four. Is yeah. it that the Blue Jays aren't as good as we think they are, or are the Orioles that much better than we've given them credit it might, for? And it might be both. I, I think it definitely could be both. But, you know, you look around the division right now, and the Yankees aren't really a threat. I don't think at this point the Red Sox are going to be a huge threat. So it's really up to, to who's going to be that bigger threat in the, in the Rays and the Blue Jays. And I think right then we saw the Orioles are completely capable of beating the Blue Jays whenever they want to. Mm. And I think that's really good news. I think but, that's well, really good news. You mentioned the Red Sox, but the Red Sox since like the middle of June been playing good. Have I, I I heard last week? I don't know if this is still true because this was more than a few days ago. But it was sometime last week. I heard that the Red Sox had the best record in the American League since the middle of June. They play great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm the whole division's tough. The Yankees. Here's the thing about the Yankees. <laughs> There's a lot of things about the Yankees. I called them frauds in spring training. Because you look at their lineup yep. and they sign Judge, that's a monster contract for a guy who's played two full seasons. Right, uh, he's been injured every other year. And once again, it's missed significant time. Missed significant time this year. And I've, and same thing with Giancarlo Stanton, and he's been, you know, hitting a lot of home runs recently, which is what Stanton does. But the the batting average is still right at the Mendoza line. That whole Yankees team is a bunch of beer league softball players. Yep. And a lot of older guys who spend a lot of time on the aisle. Anthony Rizzo on the aisle with concussions symptoms. Yeah. DJ LeMay, who got hurt a couple years ago, and he still hasn't returned to the to the player that he was before the injury. Stanton and and uh, Judge, we just talked about that. They go ahead and they and they sign Carlos Rodon. He's pitched what four or five times, and he's been bad every single time out. Nestor Cortez hurt. Luis Severino hurt. Domingo Herman hurt. So I, I have a great stat to back up your argument right here. Mm-hmm. I saw this posted on Twitter by fan of the Yankees at Real Boshek, just to credit him. He found this. Brian Cashman has 25 years of drafting and developing. This is his tweet I'm quoting. Here are the top three B-War players. 44.3, Brett Gardner. 39.6, Aaron Judge. 2.5, Anthony Volpe. Yeah. He's third. Yeah. Out of the guys Brian Cashman's drafted in his career. Yeah. It's unbelievable. That's yeah, they, absolutely they, unreal. They, they, their farm system has, let a, has left a lot to be desired. They have a lot of guys who, when they're on the field, are really good, but they aren't on the field that long. Anthony Rizzo got off to an amazing start this year and fell off a freaking cliff about the middle of May. Um, This team, you take away Garrett Cole, you take away Aaron Judge, and they're one of the worst teams in baseball. Correct. Absolutely. The the bullpen's very good, but you got to get to the bullpen with a lead. Right. And... They, they, they a, don't hit. <laughs> they, and and here's the other thing. They, they have gone out and they've spent money, right? They, they've, they've signed Garrett Cole. They've signed Carlos Rodon. They've, they've uh, re-signed Aaron Judge. They have the big contracts for Stanton and for uh, LeMahieu, right? They, they kept Anthony Rizzo at $18 million a year, which was, I like Anthony Rizzo. He, he's a great defender. He, yeah. he has power, but he hasn't been better than like a 230 hitter no. in four years. So I, I I look at that team and I say, you guys are spending your money in the wrong places. You're not yeah. drafting and developing. Yeah. You're spending your money on aging 
often injured players, right. you've got to get younger and you've got to get better fast. And I don't want them to. <laughs> I don't like yeah. the Yankees. The Yankees yeah. not being good is awesome to me. But <laughs> Sure, yeah. Uh, I, Bri- I Bri- Brian Cashman's track record with, dra- with drafting and development clearly is Horrible. not good. His... Um, his team has been underperforming. hasn't been hasn't won a World Series since two thousand nine. Have they even been back to a World? No, they haven't even no, been to, been back to the World Series since two thousand nine. You know, it's, and and Aaron Boone, one of the worst tactical in game managers I've ever seen. And so you look at the and when you John Schneider is really bad. He's quite bad. He, he's yeah. really bad. Uh, you look at, at at that team. How much longer does Cashman keep his job? How much longer does Boone keep his job? I mean, Boone was winning 95 to 100 games for a few years there because the talent then was so good. Now they have middling and declining talent, yeah. and they're signing all these guys who, when they're good, when they're on and good, are really good players. They're signing a bunch of Chris Bryants. Right. You know, I, I don't even think people realize just how bad that stat is, that Brian Cashman has gotten two guys above 2.5 war. Mm-hmm. That he's drafted in and 25 years, and he's signed a lot of international guys. I have to give him credit there. I mean, there's been guys that uh, and Robinson Cano being one of them that he signed out of uh, out of the Dominican Republic, I believe it was, and made into one of the best players of all time in Robinson Cano, one of the best second basemen. But you have to look at his drafting record, and it's mm-hmm. clearly been extremely poor, extremely yeah. poor. That's 25 years, and Anthony Volpe, who I wouldn't even really call a very productive player this year, he's been okay. But you he, love Anthony. Volpe. I love Anthony Volpe, but he hasn't been very good, and I yeah. can't, I can't dance around that unfortunately 2.5 war for anthony volpe's career is the third best guy drafted by by uh brian cashman that's unbelievable and now, i'm sure there's been guys that have been drafted traded and that's a whole nother story but now, what i will this say is yankees what i will say is because they're the yankees it's harder to hit on guys when you're constantly picking in the bottom in the bottom quarter of the league bottom third yeah. of the league because you're winning every year they have no losing seasons over that 25 season stretch they're somehow above 500, despite, in my opinion, maybe having the worst roster yeah. in the division. Well, I think the, the discourse about Brian Cashman is starting to really change, too. You saw on MLB Network, I don't know if you were watching during the right before the trade deadline, but they brought up Stanton, and usually MLB Network generally carries the, the, the water for the Yankees in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. They, they talk about the Yankees very positively, and they eviscerated Brian Cashman. They really? just went after him, and they said, this is one of the worst moves in recent history. And I, I think it was Steve Phillips was one of the guys talking, and there were a few others. But it was just completely different narrative than we've heard about Brian Cashman and the Yankees from even the media. So well, that's interesting. Their, their, their team is very middling. They're very, they're very middling, which is weird to say about the Yankees, but it's, it is what it is. And look, at, at some point, you have to believe, because it's the Yankees, that they're going to make, make the moves to turn this thing around. But they haven't. Garrett Cole was their last significant move, in my opinion. Signing Carlos Rodon, what's he done for you? Yeah, he's been, been <laughs> he's been what he's been his entire career, hurt. Yeah, only this time when he's back on the field, he's not very good. And the fact that they haven't cut bait officially with Domingo Herman after everything that's gone on, and now he's out for the year again because of you know something that's I, I guess a little bit. Uh, you know, an unfortunate circumstance is something that he didn't, uh, you know, I, I, I won't get into that. But p- point is, what I'm saying is there's a, a lot of old and unproductive players on this team mm-hmm. that have problems off the field, have problems on the field. Lu- Luis Severino gave up three runs in the first inning yesterday. His last two starts, he's given up 10 runs in the first inning. I believe he gave up, he, he gave up, what, nine runs uh, to the Orioles last Sunday and then five runs last night to the Astros. Uh, it's... 
Remember how good he used to be? Yeah. He would take the mound. You're like, oh my god, we have no chance today. Right. Right. Now he's one of the worst pitchers in baseball. And, and I don't know what happened to him. I know he got hurt, and it's been a really long road to recovery for him. And he, every time he comes back, he gets hurt again. Yeah. He they at what point do they have to cut bait with him? And this this show isn't about talking about the Yankees and all their problems, but it's all leading to a larger point that we're making here. And you look at. The Tampa Bay Rays, they lost Rasmussen, they lost Springs, um, they lost Shane Boz, and yep. now Shane McClanahan is right. probably done for the year. Right. And that's the biggest blow of them all. Yeah. By far. Last year's Cy Young Award winner, potentially right. this year's Cy Young Award right. winner, he's probably done for the year. Unbelievable. And so, this division is the Orioles to lose. At this yes. point, the Orioles are coming from such a position of strength right now, and they go out there and they just win. They just win night in and night out. We're getting to a point. We talked about this a week or two ago, where back in 2014, the second half of the year, the Orioles took the field, and I expected them, the, them to win every single night. When I turn the Orioles on, and, I, and maybe that's why we get so upset when they lose, why it's so magnified when they lose. And yeah. when they lose games like the one they lost to the Blue Jays, where they gave up three runs yeah. without the benefit of a hit from the Blue Jays, they find ways to lose that's like, are you effing kidding me? Because the other team didn't beat them, they beat themselves. Right. But that happens so infrequently that it's glaring and magnified when it does happen. I expect this team right now, every time they go out, I expect that they're going to win the ballgame. I agree. I, yeah. 100%. Now, look... We can get lost in the sauce here. We can definitely get lost in the fact that they're playing the New York Mets. And the Mets are not the Mets from a month ago. No. Which, they weren't very good back then, but they had the talent to be good. Yeah. There's no Scherzer. There's no Verlander. They got rid of, of, of Kana. They don't have anybody in their starting rotation that strikes fear in you anymore. Their lineup, they still have some, some good players. They got Nemo. They got Lindor. They got Alvarez. They've got Alonzo. They still have good players in their lineup. Orioles legend DJ Stewart. <laughs> Orioles legend. Was, I was expecting him to go deep. Yeah, last night. I thought so too. I, and honestly, I kind of wanted him to. I, it's it's stupid. I, he's 10 to like, 3, I mean. He's like, I'm like Brandon Hyde, and he's like my Ryan McKenna. I always, I always love DJ Stewart because the batting eye has always been there. Yeah. And if he could get hot, he could be a difference maker offensively. I really thought that a couple of years ago, I, I said, if he can, you know, stay healthy, I think he can be a prime number two hitter for the Orioles. Mm -hmm. Because he gets on base. If he can hit 250, he's going to have a 350 on base percentage, and he's going to be fine. And he, he's sneaky fast. He couldn't hit a fastball. Yeah. How many times did we see him whiff at a fastball right down the middle? Could not hit a fastball. He's not having, he's not having a bad year. For the Mets, but he's had limited opportunities. Yeah, I was going to say it's been like twenty games. Yeah, so not a ton. But I was kind of, I was hoping that if you can never hope that your team gives up a home run, I was hoping it was going to be DJ Stewart. <laughs> you know, um, but we're burying the lead here. The Orioles, best team in the American League record-wise, uh, best team in the AL East, which is the toughest division in baseball, and they added Jack Flaherty. Which, what happened at the deadline? People are freaking out. And I tried not to post anything because I'm like, they're going to do something. They're gonna... And then you get to the last hour. And I tweeted out, on the one hand, I trust Mike Elias is going to do something because it's very obvious that he needs to. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm trying to also figure out how the broadcasters are going to spin a non-move at the beginning of the broadcast tonight by saying, you know, this team already has the best record in the American League and they just trusted their guys. Goes out in the, in the 11th hour and he makes a trade for... Jack Flaherty. The Orioles give up Drew Rom, 
Cesar Prieto, and um, I, I can't remember. Zach Showalter. Zach Showalter. I, I knew the last name. I couldn't remember his first name was Zach. Gives up Zach, and they give up Zach Showalter. No top 10 prospects to get Jack Flaherty. Now, look, Jack, Jack Flaherty, before his injury history, at 23 years old, was one of the best, 22, 23 years old, one of the best pitchers in the National League. He was a Cy Young candidate. Um, he looked every bit of Cy Young candidate when he, when he pitched for the Orioles. Sure did. Gave up a single and a walk to start the game, and then nothing after that until the sixth inning. The sixth inning has been the Orioles starters' kryptonite for some yeah. reason. Guys get into the sixth inning, and all of a sudden they lose their command and start giving up hits and runs. But six innings pitched, two hits, Two runs, two walks, eight. I'm sorry, one run, eight strikeouts. He was every bit as advertised, dominant, and, dominant. And, and then some. He had thrown six pitches at 96 miles an hour or faster all season. He threw seven in yeah. that start for the Orioles, including his only pitch of the season at 97 or higher. Right, 97 miles an yeah. hour, and I believe it was his first fastball. Now, Andy Kotzka, who from the Baltimore Banner, who we're going to have on the show later today. He came out, uh, he asked Flaherty after that start, was it something the Orioles tweaked? And Flaherty said, no, there was no time to implement any changes. I think it was adrenaline and being on eight days rest. Yeah. So, but really, really good to start. He had a 304 ERA in his last five starts coming into that start with the Orioles. Looked as good as you could have hoped him to, be, to look. What are your thoughts on the Flaherty trade, and what are your thoughts on what the Orioles gave up? Well, I, I saw the name being tossed around about four hours before the deal was made, and I said, you know what, that would actually make a lot of sense. He's a guy who is, is a reclamation project in a lot of ways because he was so good at one point. He had a second half, I want to say it was 2019 maybe, where he was arguably the best pitcher in baseball. He was unbelievable. He had like a 1.9 ERA or something like that. He was, he was crazy good. And... Since then, he hasn't been Jack Flaherty. hasn't been the same guy. hasn't been the first-round pick, the top 100 prospect, all the great things he was. Um, so, But I saw the name being floated around, and he's only 27 years old. Unfortunately, a rental, but a guy that makes a lot of sense for this team. And I thought, hey, they probably wouldn't have to give too much up. And that's the deal they made. I There are some guys I would have rather have. I mean, I, of course, have loved Justin Verlander. Uh, that was probably not going to happen. I mean, I, I'm, again, the, the Orioles probably made a call, and they said, well... We want Heston Kerstad, and the Orioles hung up the phone. Something right. along those lines. That's what I would expect. But this is a move where they didn't give up a ton. Zach Showalter, I do think, is going to be a legit prospect. I mean, the numbers look already really good. High school kid, a lot of development left to go. Uh, but Drew Rahm, I don't really see as much of a anything more than a depth piece. Cesar Prieto, unfortunately, was never going to have a chance to play here. Just yeah. never was going to have a chance. The bat was going to play, but the defense, he's not a good right. defender. So, Overall, I mean, this trade makes total sense. You look mm -hmm. up and down, it makes total sense. You have to give up something to get something. Giving up was Zach Showalter. Get something, you get Jack Flaherty, who, if you turn around into what he was, you know, just a few years ago, can be definitely one of the better pitchers in baseball. It's a really high upside move. Um, and the Orioles pitching lab has been really successful with a lot of reclamation projects. So we'll just hope that that continues to happen and they continue to keep his velocity high. I think that's going to be one of the keys. Well, and... So they have to go and get everything they can get out of him this year. We'll talk about maybe an extension after the season's over. Um, but you have to hope that that's something that's in the, that's going to be in the works if he's earned it. He can't go out there and pitch to a four-and-a-half ERA the rest of the year. And, I mean, the Orioles might offer him something, but it won't be what right. th they should be offering a guy that they made a big move for at the deadline. You're right, they have to give up something to get something. And if what they're giving up is a high school draft pit draft pick uh, as a pitcher who has really great stuff but is still years away. Right. 
you can live with that. He's like a 2026 guy, probably. Yeah. Like you're looking far down the line for him, but the numbers he had, I think he had thrown like a .9 ERA this year so far. Like he'd been really good. Yeah. And only a few starts, low sample size. But uh, Showalter was an 11th round pick last year. A guy I think they signed over slot for a decent amount. And you know that again, you you got to give up something to get something. And certainly you'd rather give up Zach Showalter than Heston Kerstad, Colton Kowser, Jordan Westberg, any of those guys. So it's it's a win. So saw a lot of people upset about the inclusion of Drew Rom. And I'm, no. I'm I'm just like, would you like, would you have been that upset at the inclusion of like Zimmerman? Yeah, because it's the same thing. It, it would have been the same thing, right? So I don't know, man. It, it's I thought this was a good deal. He went out there and showed it was a good deal with his first start. I'm happy with it. You know, I still. Are you surprised that they didn't go get a reliever? I am not surprised because this is Michael Elias we're talking about you know I really feel like Michael Elias just wants to use the depth they have in the organization but I really am disappointed in that and I know we're going to talk about that in Orioles banter a little bit more and I'm going to explain my feelings and, and dive into a little bit more there but I, I feel like there's an opportunity missed I yeah, really do I think a lot of us do we will get into it in Orioles banter because they have options it's just how do you bridge the gap yeah. to those options are ready to get? By you? the way, Drew Rom, five three four ERA over nineteen pitch uh, games pitched this year. I, I really don't feel <laughs> any sadness about Drew Rom being in that trade. Yeah, I, I wish him best of luck. But yeah, I, ho- hopefully he can do something. He was, he's always had a good career in the minor leagues. He's always put up good numbers. I just yeah. he's a four A guy in my opinion. Four A exactly four A you know? guy. Um, he's the Ryan McKenna of pitchers. I was gonna say that, and I, <laughs> yeah, I, I the Ryan, and. and Man, there's been a lot of hate spewed at Ryan McKenna. And it makes me feel bad because I've talked to him on Glenn Clark Radio when I was a producer there. I'm sure he's a great guy. And he's he, he's fine. There's nothing wrong with Ryan McKenna. He's, yeah. he's, he's a good person. He's a Major League Baseball player. You, I, I think you can ag- we can agree that there is a spot on a lot of Major League rosters for Ryan McKenna. Yep. On this Orioles team... Because of what they have already, when it's also a, a year from now, you're going to look at the Orioles roster as maybe the best in all of baseball. With what they have coming through the pipeline, Jim Ballon was on um, 1057 The Fan yesterday, and he said he thinks Jackson Holiday could come to the majors right now and hit 300. And they, like, wow. He's coming up next year. That's why Joey Ortiz yeah. doesn't have a future in Baltimore unless right. he plays second base. You know what I mean? Heston Kerstad has been tearing the cover off the ball everywhere for a year and a half now. Yeah. And right now, there's not a spot for him. There's no reason he's not in the major leagues right now, aside from the fact that if they bring him up, they want him to play every day, and who's he going to play over at this point? So Ryan McKenna, it's, it's, it's not, oh, I hate Ryan McKenna. It's he's not good enough to be on this roster. Correct. Anymore. Yeah. And you look at what the Orioles did last night, and they, the first five guys reached in the, in the um, bottom of the sixth at the bottom of the... I think it was the bottom of the seventh inning. First five guys reach, and the Orioles put up a four spot, and he comes up and strikes out. And in the Blue Jays series. In the, twice with the bases loaded. Twi- with they, one out. In the game that they lost, he came up with the, with the bases loaded twice yep. and struck out, and he comes up with nobody on base. His next at bat... And he flies out to deep right field. If he does that in either of his first right. two at-bats, 
different ball game. I mean, all you have to do is put a ball in play deep mm-hmm. enough to, to. I mean, it's just not that. It's not that crazy. It's really not. So Ryan McKenna to me, and he probably can even beat out a ground ball if he if he hits it. You know, tries to mm-hmm. um, hit one of the left side or something like that. It, this guy's got to put the ball in play, and he doesn't a lot. And the numbers have kind of dropped off for him. He had that one stretch where he was up to like three oh five. Yeah, he was. And, he had a really yeah. nice stretch from the end of April through like the end of yeah. May. But the numbers are not there anymore. Yeah, and, and, and hell of a bunter. And and and, yeah. I, and, I, and I'm not saying that to make fun of him. I'm saying that because it's a lost art in baseball. When the guy goes to put down a bunt, he gets it down almost every single time, and that's important, especially for the role that he's filling. When he's batting and there's runners on first and second and nobody out, he needs to be bunting every time. And the fact is, if he does, he gets it down. There's a that's what a fourth outfielder is supposed to do: play good defense and play fundamental baseball. Get the guys over exactly. Striking out the bases loaded in a big situation with one out two times in a row, not what you're here for. It's not it. You've got to do something. You've got to be able to put the ball in play. Uh, And, again, I don't dislike Ryan McKenna, the the person. He he started four games in a row with Colton Kowser. And I get it that Colton Kowser's really been struggling. But the guy comes up in his his loan of bat the other day and rips a double into the gap. And instead of trying to take advantage of that, and say, you know what, maybe he's going to start to build confidence off this. Let's play him. He rides right. the bench again, then he finally, he comes in as a pinch hitter, he strikes out twice. I think the only way Colton Kazer is going to get going this season is to play. Is to actually play. He's, and not to play once or twice a week, it's to play every day. They've got to get him in there. Because mm-hmm. frankly, they don't have a better option right now. And also, one more thing about the outfield that I it's driving me crazy, is that Brandon Hyde has started for two days in a row, Ryan O'Hearn in the outfield. Yep. It's got to stop. It's got to yeah. stop. Ryan Frazier playing left field, Ryan O'Hearn playing right field. You have 19 outfielders on your roster. <laughs> Why in the world do you need to play infielders in the outfield, especially right. when they're limited as outfielders? Right. I get it. You wanted to have O'Hearn's bat in the lineup. Mm-hmm. One, he didn't do anything last night. And two, you put him in right field. Right. And and you're not playing Santander, and you're DHing Rutch. I get it. You... You do need to lay off with Rutschman a little bit because you're getting sure. you're, you're into that stretch run now. It's August. He's played more than any catcher in baseball, so I totally get that. But I don't know, man. Ryan O'Hearn playing right field, not not for me. It's not for me either. And I love having Ryan O'Hearn's bat in the lineup. He's been huge. I don't think the Orioles are where they are without Ryan O'Hearn. Yeah, I really don't. No, he's had a, he's had a, he's an got incredible season. They can figure something out to not make him in the outfield. They can they can figure something out. Yeah. I guarantee you they can make this happen. Where Ryan O'Hearn's DHing, Ryan Malcastle plays first base, Malcastle gets the day off, whatever it is. Ryan O'Hearn's bat has to be in the lineup. It's not in right field or yeah. left field. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, ever. It shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah. Um, and then the good news is Cedric Mullins starts a rehab assignment tonight with the Bowie Bay Sox. Um, he'll be there today and tomorrow. Uh, hopefully that means he'll be back in the next week or so. I'm sure that they want to kind of take their time with him because I think it maybe he came back a little quickly after the first injury and maybe that led to the next one and hopefully gets off to a better start than he did last time because really slow start when he came off the aisle the first time around. And then as soon as he started to heat up, he got hurt again. So hopefully he can hit the ground running coming on this rehab rehab assignment. Um, but look, any anything that we uh, that we frown upon right now, we're splitting hairs because this team is really good and they're playing really good inspired baseball. And at this point, I don't see how they aren't the favorites to go to to finish this thing in first place, given the rest of the division. And with that in mind. We now are joined by Stan the Fan Charles for his weekly segment. Stan, good morning. How are you? Good morning. How you doing, guys? 
We're doing great. We're doing great. Orioles with a big with a big win last night um, against a lowly Mets team. And Stan, Zach, and I were just talking about this in our intro to the show. That you look at the rest of the division, and you look at how the Orioles, both times that they've gone into into Toronto, Toronto was playing really good baseball, and the Orioles kicked them in the teeth each time. Um, the Yankees are hurt and um, on a downward spiral, in my opinion. The Red Sox, I don't think, have the pitching to to make a run, and the the Rays have four-fifths of their opening day starting rotation on the IL, and I think all of them are going to end up missing the rest of the year. This division has to be the Orioles to lose at this point, does it not? It sure feels that way right now. You know, I wouldn't underestimate Tampa having one more run in them. Um, they picked up Aaron Savali at the uh, deadline, so they they start with Tyler Glass now and Savali, and if Savali pitches at a high level and stays away from injury, that gives them Two, two really, uh, you know, real solid starters at the top of the rotation. But right now, I don't think they have enough in the pitching uh, pitching department. Yeah, they've been really, and they've been really beat up, uh, both offensively and on and in the field, uh, basically all year. And that was a, that's what happened to them a lot last year too. I think at one point they had 17 guys on the IL. Last year, so the uh, the Rays kind of falling off because of the injuries. The Orioles still playing really good and inspired baseball. We talk about starting pitching. Stan Dean Kramer goes out last night, and the first five innings he looks absolutely phenomenal. Gets an out in the sixth, and then walks three straight guys on like fifteen pitches, and then gives up a two run single Lindor. Um, Dean Kramer, what are you seeing from him? We've already seen Tyler Wells demoted to Double A uh, to kind of get a, a, a breather. They sent him to their pitching lab. Are you now, is it now becoming even more magnified with Dean Kramer's struggles hitting a wall in the sixth inning and what we've seen from the rest of the rotation as they're all coming up on career highs for innings? Well, uh, you know, that, that, that Met team last night was really a lifeless bunch. It, they, they really looked uh, like a miserable team. Uh, and I'm, I'm just going to give this a, a one-off on uh, Dean Kramer. That he just sort of got lulled into, uh, you know, where his, his head wasn't fully involved in that game last night in that sixth inning. I don't know what caused it. I don't think it has really anything to do with hitting a wall. Um, you know, I just don't know what happened to him last night. Yeah, you're just so watching. I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him a mulligan, and I'm not going to get too worried about it. Yeah, it, it was it was crazy, Stan, because he was cruising, and then all of a sudden you just it, and it looked like he was just, like you said. I he, I think he got into a lull last night. It looked like he was just going through the motions and couldn't put the ball over the plate it, for for three batters. Just absolutely just going yeah, through the motions. I've, I've 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 not seen that very often by a major league pitcher. That was just really ugly. But I'm not really that worried because of what I watch for the first five innings, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, he was, he was very good for the first five innings and maybe there's something to it that, you know, they were, the other team wasn't too inspired and he kind of lost motivation. No, they, they really, they really look like they're going for the motions right now. Now, Stan, the, the Orioles, they needed uh, rotation help. They went out and got it in the 11th hour at the deadline, trading for Jack Flaherty. He goes out there and puts it together a phenomenal start in his first appearance for the Orioles, throwing harder than he has all year, having some of the best stuff that he's had all year. What are your thoughts on what the Orioles gave up for Jack Flaherty, on him being the one that, that was brought in, 
And do you think that the Orioles should have done more at the deadline than just bringing in Jack Flaherty? Um, the, the second part of whether they should have done more, um, I don't know how long Mullins and Hicks are out, but, um, there's, there was a possibility maybe to picked up, uh, an outfielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they, if they somehow aren't of the opinion that Kurt that is ready to outperform Ryan McKenna, uh, then, you know, but I just don't know their, their medicals on Mullins and, uh, and Hicks, whether they're due back in a week, whether it's going to be three weeks, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm very happy with what we ended up with. Um, still would have probably liked to have added one more relief pitcher, and yeah. I'm sure they tried. Uh, but, but you know, I think they, I think they did real well. I, I like Flaherty. I used to love Flaherty back in like, 19 and 20 before the uh, shoulder injuries that he had. Um, and I'm not so sure that this season he wasn't healthy. But remember, in St. Louis, they were going through the um, transition from uh, Molina as a catcher, who's arguably one of the greatest defensive catchers of all time, to a guy that six weeks into the season – the manager was calling him out, or maybe even four, four and a half weeks into the season, was calling out that he can't catch. We got to play him in the outfield, and that, that was really a um, that was a cluster f, you know, uh, the way they handled that. And I'm not so sure that Flaherty's uh, poor outings had something to do with, um, you know, he had one outing where I think he pitched. Paul, you probably looked it up too. Two and a third innings, he gave up ten earned runs. Yep, saw that. I'm not sure that I'm not sure if you're not on the same page with a catcher, you know, and believe in what that catcher's putting down there, it can really throw you off. And when you go from Molina to a guy you're not you're not comfortable with, uh, you know, I think the fact that he battled back and threw five good starts in July was a real good sign. And uh, I think that uh, I, in my article that I wrote about him earlier in the week, I said he's sort of a younger version of Matt Harvey, that I still think there's a lot left in the tank. And I'm hopeful that uh, Chris Holt and Darren Holmes and the analytic people in the organization can can help him uh, to look a lot more like he did on Thursday afternoon than, he, than he's done for most of this season, you know. Yeah, he certainly looked every bit of the role that he was brought in here to fill uh, at the trade deadline. Now, Mike Elias said they took some really big swings uh, leading up to the deadline. They were linked to Dylan Cease, linked to Justin Verlander, and even Eduardo Rodriguez before pulling the trigger on Flaherty. Stan, the team has eight top 100 prospects, so even if like they were asked for their number four to seven prospect, that value is probably higher than somebody else's number one or number two prospect in a lot of cases. Uh, Jackson Holiday is probably a hard, not probably, he is a hard stop for anybody that would have been available at the deadline um, unless it was Otani and he was willing to sign an extension and even then, right? So you're looking at, were the Orioles just asked for way too much or do you think it was just one of those situations where the, these teams wanted a Jackson Holiday and the Orioles were just like, no, we're not going to budge? 
Well, I don't, I don't think there was any realistic possibility of asking for Jackson Holiday, and I think the Orioles probably have that same feeling toward Kerstad and Kobe Mayo. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was really any way anybody was getting any of those three players. After that, you know, I mean, uh, Norby is having a real nice season. Ortiz is having a real nice season. Um, am I missing somebody really special after that? Uh, you already said Kerstad. Uh, there's not really anybody else. That... Yeah, there's Kerstad, Mayo, and Holiday, and um, Ortiz, and Norby. Right. I think that, you know, uh, first of all, it turned out, surprised me that uh, Eduardo Rodriguez essentially did get traded, but he had the five- and ten-year, uh, you know, right to turn down a trade, that he turned down a trade to the Dodgers to stay with the Tigers. Mm-hmm. It was pretty interesting. I mean, it was interesting, you know. Um, so I don't know that uh, that was really a realistic possibility that he would have left for Baltimore either. I don't know. Well, they they did say that um, he had ten teams on his in his no trade clause that he would have to okay okay a trade. Some of the teams that he would have okayed a trade to were the Orioles, were the San Diego okay. Padres, and he said he wanted yeah. to stay on the East Coast, um, but he would have gone to the Padres. It was just something with the Dodgers, maybe their core values that he said he's not going to get into. He's going to keep to himself, where it just wasn't a right. fit for he and his family. Right. So anyway, um, I think they did real well. Uh, I, I like I like the upside and Flaherty rather than figuring out why Cease is having such a poor year. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and once, once you get them, um, and you had to give up more. I don't think we gave up anything that we're going to really regret in that trade. I, I don't know enough about Showalter, but he's probably three or four years away, and uh, I, I'm very happy with the return we got. I, I'm not a... A big Prieto fan, and Drew Rom's been around long enough. There, sh- there needed to be some improvement to me. Now I'm sure their people in St. Louis think that they can figure that out. So, yeah. good luck to them on that. I hope it's a win trade for both teams. You know, yeah, that's that's what you really want to have happen. Uh, where St. Louis is now, they need to sort of reboot their farm system a little bit, and they were happy with the return, and I'm very happy with what we got. I, I agree with you, and I don't think that I'm gonna any of us are going to find ourselves in a situation, knock on wood, you know, nothing's ever guaranteed, but I don't think any of us are going to find ourselves in a situation a year from now where Cesar Prieto's hitting 300 for St. Louis and we are lamenting the day that we traded him. I think that this is a trade that's going to end up, that hopefully it works out, like you said, for both sides. Now, you mentioned... What, what, would really be, what would really be the real workout for this trade, though, is because you did give up three three prospects that you thought something of would be really nice if, if what I envision happens that Jack Flaherty, who has had some health struggles and some pitching struggles over the last three years, if Holt really can help him get back to closer to what he was, and I don't know we'll ever see the guy that's 99 or 100, mm-hmm. but it, if he brings them back and then he's a free agent, and the Orioles try and sign him. I'm not saying a five-year, $80 million contract, but perhaps a two-year, $24 million contract. Mm-hmm. He'd be wise. To, if if he gets the good results here, he'd be wise to stick in Baltimore for a couple of years, and that would really make the trade 
a big win, in my opinion. I agree with you. I think that and Zach and I kind of touched on that a little bit right before we got you on, that that's kind of the goal, right? That he comes in here and he pitches like a number one or a number two, and then you're able to sign him to to an extension, like you said, maybe two, maybe three years, and at that point he's maybe still... Two, maybe two with an option of some kind, you know, that's sensible. Um, but, you know... Uh, go ahead. I'm I, I don't, well, I don't, I don't really think there's any way you make this trade if you're not planning on at least trying to make him you know, an extension candidate. I think you almost have to make this trade with that in mind. So that's, I mean, that's just my my look at it. I, I you know, rentals are not something that I see Michael Elias being super interested in overall. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with you. And when Dan Duquette made the Andrew Miller trade, I thought the same thing, and then the club didn't have an appetite. You know, when you go back to that, Zach, even if you didn't really want Andrew Miller here for five years, you could have signed him and knew that that trade at that trade uh, deadline that next year, you would have been able to move him to any. You know, anybody would have wanted him if he was signed for four or five years. Yeah, and that may so have helped the Orioles get back yeah. in the race in 2015, rather than the Gerardo Parra yeah. move that they yeah. ended up making. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Stan, we we talked a little bit about the the Orioles bullpen and how they haven't made they didn't really make a move aside from Fujinami, which was two weeks before the deadline. Um, you have John Means and DL Hall, John Means, DL Hall, and Michael Givens um, all coming back in the next anywhere from two to five weeks. Givens has looked really good in his rehab assignment. Tyler Wells was demoted to Double A to get a breather. They sent him to their pitching lab in Bel Air. I have an, I imagine that he's going to be moved to the bullpen for the rest of the season, especially when you look at the addition of Flaherty. Um, Austin Voth and Keegan Aiken are going to be on their way back as well. What is your expectations for these guys coming back to the bullpen? Do you think that we that there can be significant improvement to this Orioles relief core uh, internally at this point? I think that they feel that way, and I think that that was the calculation they made versus giving up, say, a Norby for you know for for something. Um, look, I, I scratch my head every day when I when the name Deal Hall pops into my head. I you know I don't know what what they've done with him this year. I don't know what he's done this year, uh, but the news is apparently that he's going from his. Uh, stay in Florida, that he's back in Norfolk, and they're going to use him as a relief pitcher. Um, uh, you know, I'm not bragging that I was right about that because, boy, I sure look off base on uh, Ryan Mountcastle right now. But um, I think that D.L. Hall and Tyler Wells have a real strong chance at helping this team, you know, in some in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, his last rehab, rehab appearance for D.L. Hall, he pitched two innings. He struck out five. His fastball was touching 96 miles an hour. It's not 98 to 100 that we're used to seeing from him, but he was at 92-93 uh, before he went down to Florida. So the velocity seems to be coming back uh, incrementally for him. If they can put him into a relief role and he can come up in like late August through September, be part of a playoff roster potentially, and pitch like he did last September out of the, out of the bullpen, it's only a win, in my opinion, for this team. Um, you know, I think. And I, think, I wouldn't. And, and on Wells, I wouldn't see why he couldn't come back and be, you know, a solid two-inning guy. You know, mm-hmm. he'd be, in my opinion, he could be what Fujinami is, without the concerns that you're going to get the ugly Fujinami. You know, right? Uh, you know, Wells should be able to go right back into that role. You know, 
if you recall, I, you know, and you know me, uh, Paul, long enough. I'm always about these guys uh, being relief pitchers that are are sort of questionable starters. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit that Tyler Wells looked the part of a starting pitcher for about 18 starts this year, 17 starts. But I, my concern with him wasn't that he had the stuff. He didn't have the stuff to be a good starter. It was always whether or not he would break down. And I thought, you know, given the situation this year, I would have liked to have seen him been been that twin tower with Bautista. Remember, when I was talking also back in March, we didn't know what we were going to get out of Cano at all. Right. You know, oh, and that's yeah. been sort of full. That looks like right now it's been fool's gold uh, that we may not get that close to that Cano again. Uh, we'll see as time will tell, but it's sure nice to have the option of perhaps getting Tyler Wells in that bullpen. Yeah, and, and that was the thing that we talked about in spring training because it was coming down to that fifth starter role, and it was going to be, it was is it Tyler Wells, is it Grayson Rodriguez? Wells ended up winning the competition, but the argument was put Grayson in the rotation, Wells can be that kind of long man, or he can be a back-end guy for you, and I think it makes that team that much better, especially with the bad start that both got off to as the long relief guy, that Wells could have filled that role and made the Orioles better, which is hard to say because they are very, very good with the best record in the American League, second-best record in baseball. But now you're looking at it, and like you said, 18 starts, Tyler Wells was very, very good, Had looked like a borderline ace for this team, and I still think that they have visions of him being that guy for them in the future, but I think, like you said, a Twin Towers thing with Felix Bautista in the back end of the bullpen I think is going to be good for the Orioles the rest of the way, and you also look at it, Stan, when I watched him pitch, when I've been watching Cano pitch recently, I don't think it's a matter yeah. of stuff. These guys look absolutely gassed to me. I'm seeing sweat dripping off of Wells's face in the second and third innings. They look just like they're they're absolutely gassed. That's got to be what it is, right? Um, I don't know exactly, but I will tell you this. You know, and I play fantasy baseball, and I try and learn as much as I can. My entire pitching staff right now, I've got Nathan Evaldi, went on the IL and uh, at right after the All-Star break. Griffin Canning, who must be sort of in the same mode as Wells, is on some kind of uh, over his pit. He's on the IL. Now I've got two starters. I have Luis Castillo last night. Has a 5-1 to lead over the Angels and couldn't hold it. Yeah, he's Gave, seven you know. And Bailey Ober, his last two starts have been off. It seems to be a sort of an endemic uh, right now with uh, starting pitchers and relievers being gassed. You know, I still think there's something from the carryover from the pandemic. I know we're we seemingly are a couple of years beyond that, but I think it's really had a, uh, a deleterious uh, effect on on pitching stamina. It's been really uh, interesting to watch. Are you anticipating? a similar issue for Grayson Rodriguez as the rest of the season progresses. He's been really good since coming off the IL and he would look even better, not coming off the IL, since returning from, from Norfolk, it would look even better without the inherited runners allowed to score once he leaves the ball game. Are you anticipating something similar or have, is what you've seen from Grayson Rodriguez indicative of what you think he's going to do the rest of the year? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure yet, but I will tell you this, these, first two starts back uh, or what's it three starts now the last two 
have been really, really good in this last one. Who did he pitch against the last game? Was it Toronto? Toronto. Yeah, that was the best I've ever seen him throw. Mm-hmm. But, but he gets to that sixth inning, and it's I think it's more mental fatigue than physical fatigue. Uh, I don't see the stuff suddenly ticking down. I see his mindset of how to pitch the batters. Look, this is a guy who I've preached has always been treated with kid gloves. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to when he first came up, uh, where, you know, those first two seasons, he was pitching essentially three innings or four innings, and the club were just wanting him to get out of games healthy. That's not a way to develop pitchers. You know, it might be for a guy who had had arm problems, but we never heard anything about any, you know, a problem in high school or a problem that arose in year one where they said, hey, we just want to get him through this season healthy. It, it just seemed to be a design that we're going to be very careful with this guy because he's such a tremendous prospect. And I think it really backfired on, on his development. Now, having said that, you still have two incidents that played a part in that. And one was the pandemic, which Mike Elias couldn't predict. And then you also have the lat tear or strain last year, where I think he was very close to being ramped up to go six innings in games. Yeah, yeah, well. But right now, whatever it is, he looks, the, the overall thing I see is a guy that is very confident in his stuff. He's confident that he belongs. But, boy, it's almost like clockwork. He gets past five innings now. And it's just a struggle for him, you know. Now, his last start, right, he gets into the sixth inning, he's cruising, gets an out, and then he, he walks a batter, I believe it was uh, Chapman. and then, No, I'm yeah. sorry, it was Brandon Belt. He walks Brandon Belt, and then he's facing Vladimir Guerrero. And it's a 10-pitch right. at bat. 10-pitch at bat, and, and Vladdy's fouling pitch off after pitch off after pitch off. And he throws I think it. he was just, I think he gets mentally fatigued when when he can't put a hitter away. You know, and that's going to come, you know, whether it's developing something like a David Cohn did when he went uh, sidearm or something, something different. Because these hitters at the major league level, they're not the guys that you're facing in A, double A, triple A. They know how to keep bats alive. That can be very frustrating mentally and physically to a pitcher. You know who's like that, and he still is. I was watching him the other day. Gosman, as good as he is now, and he's a very good pitcher, there's no question. He can get into it bats where guys just are able to foul him off. You know, mm-hmm. I remember that from when he was here. Yeah, it, a lot of yeah. a lot of foul. I mean, I used to him. watch every start with him. He'd get one bad call by an umpire where I'd say he should have had a strike out there, and it would go, all go downhill from there yeah. for him. He's still got a little bit of that in him that he doesn't fully know how to put hitters away. But now, Stan, the the, the end of that um, of that inning, the, Grayson comes out of the game after that after that second straight walk. It was a battle with with Vladdy. Fujinami comes in, walks a guy, and then hits the next two guys with the bases loaded to allow two runs to score. And then there's a routine ground ball, a shortstop, and Mateo tries to field the ball and throw it in one motion while also obviously not looking, and he botches the ground ball. Now we're watching yep. Jorge Mateo 
Um, he was, I think he was 11 outs uh, above replacement last year. He's two this year. And in the last month or two, he's actually like in the, in the negative. So my question mm-hmm. is, are we at a point now, especially with the fact that Arias, Mateo, and Joey Ortiz, not, none of them were traded at the deadline. Mateo hasn't hit for three and a half months now. And now we're looking at his defense starting to struggle too. Is the writing on the wall that the, that Joey Ortiz's time should be now? You know, I was asked this by a good friend of mine who really follows the minor leagues quite a bit. He was really pushing me on this. You know, I'm I'm still a a Mateo guy, but I I have to be honest. His defense, now that he's a spare player, uh, has not been up to snuff, you know, to, to give him enough value. I still like him for what he brings to the table. And the key thing for me is I haven't seen, I think, look, any fielder that sits behind, a, you've played enough ball. If they're not throwing strikes, it, it, can, it can lead to a lack of focus. Yeah. And that, that one inning, I'm going to sort of throw it on. He just was in a, you know, in a mode where the pitcher wasn't throwing any, no pitcher was throwing any strikes, and all of a sudden you got a ball hit to you. Uh, and he, he botched it. There's no question about it. He had that double clutch in Philadelphia, and, uh, you know, he has not been what he is. I'm still um, I'm still in his camp, though, right now. But, you know, I can certainly see an argument being made that Ortiz, who I understand is the best defensive shortstop in the system, um, that perhaps uh, it might be time to bring him up to be the uh, – you know, spare infielder. Uh, they, they were. It was reported yesterday that the Orioles were working Mateo out in center field. Is this a, a thing where because now they're trying to maximize his value so that when they do, they can bring him in late in the game as a pinch runner for somebody, and then he can go play the outfield if they don't want to get the guys who are already in the infield out of the lineup and out of out of the defense. Do you think that that's kind of why they're trying him out in the outfield right now so that he can, you know? fulfill that role if he has to late in ball games as a pinch runner. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me that he would, uh, you know, he's, um, but I, but I haven't seen him play. I know he played a tiny bit of outfield. I think with San Diego, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but um, I'd have to see him whether I think that he can do that. But certainly uh, look, I've got to be honest with you. I brought that up to a scout that, scouted Jackson holiday. And I know I mentioned it once on this show mm-hmm. six or seven months ago. You know, if, if you're not, you're not going to give Louis, uh, Ramon Urias away, you know, and right. he's a gold glove caliber fielder at third base. Um, and Gunner, if, if Urias is playing third base and Henderson's playing short, where is Jackson holiday going to play? You know, right. I, I don't think it's just an automatic, that Jackson Holiday will be the shortstop of the Baltimore Orioles. I think you can see a scenario where Jackson Holiday could be a center fielder, perhaps. And this scout told me that he could play anywhere, that he yeah. would be fantastic in the outfield as well. That's so. what that's why they draft a lot of shortstops because they have that versatility. Yeah. They're they athletes. Have that versatility. Yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. I, I would love to see how Jorge Mateo can chase down a fly ball that's hitting the gap. I just that's just something I want to watch. I just want to see him glide to a to a baseball that shouldn't be caught and catch it. But what would scare me about what would scare me about him in the outfield 
is as we've watched his defense go down as he's become a part-time player mm-hmm. is is how much dead time there is for outfielders sure. you know whether yeah you know, if you're an infielder it's almost by safety that you have to really pay attention you know what i mean and have yeah. focus on every pitch because that ball is hit to you like a bullet and you're not paying attention in center field i wonder if he would have lulls of concentration out there that's that's my one fear for him. It's it's possible. We saw it in the infield the other day with Fuji on the mound that you just mentioned. So, yeah. Stan, what do you got coming up? Uh, Monday at four o'clock. Uh, Ross and uh, Luke and I will touch on uh, some baseball stuff, and then on Thursday we've got at seven o'clock. Uh, we'll do the Zoom uh, with uh, Andy or Gary Stein, and I will have Andy Dolich and. Uh, Marty Conway with our sports business confab. Uh, confab. And speaking of business, I just want to tell you that we welcome aboard uh, Superbook Sports as a sponsor on all of the press box programs. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. Now you can use promo code STANCHARLES23 to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code STANCHARLES23, all one word with no spaces. Uh, I'm asking all my friends out there who want are looking for a uh, sports betting uh, uh, system to go to Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, Stan. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week, all right? All right, guys. Take care. See Bye. You. That was Stan the Fan Charles back for his weekly segment. Stan has changed up the format for his weekly shows. Now every Monday at 6 p.m., Stan will be joined by former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley and Press Box's managing editor Luke Jackson to break down the latest with the birds. Every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein will chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, the guys caught up with Ahmed Gafir from InsideTheBlackAndGold.net, and you can watch the shows live at Facebook.com slash PressBox or find them the next day at PressBox online.com slash video and youtube.com slash pressbox online so join stan ross and luke this and every monday night we got to catch a break when we come back in the payoff pitch around the league that's next on the bat around you feel that that's the sound of football coming back and now's the time to place your preseason bets with superbook sports superbook is the most trusted name in vegas and now you can use my promo code glenn clark 23 to score up to 250 dollars with their first bet bonus win or lose they'll match your first bet up to 250 dollars with the promo code glenn clark 23 all one word no spaces two ends and glenn don't miss out this football season win some money with superbook sports and that promo code glennclark23 visit superbook.com for terms and conditions gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER Another exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plebe class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president 
of A.J. Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at AJMichaels.com. That's AJMichaels.com. It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you are in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports and Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulge in steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasinohotel.com. Hotel.com. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1 800 Gambler. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Hike to new heights. The best view is yours in Washington County. Our iconic scenic overlooks provide some of the most breathtaking vistas in the mid-Atlantic. Some are very easy walks, some can be driven to, and some are the payoff for a moderate to difficult hike. All are near quaint small towns that offer great dining, shopping, hiking gear, and more. Explore our five national parks for iconic vistas and wineries with breathtaking views. Visit our quaint historic towns and make your stay unforgettable. Learn more at visithagerstown.com Maryland, be open. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food. Check. Quality of service. Check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Hey, O's fans, on Saturday, August 5th, when the O's take on the New York Mets at 7.05, celebrate the 40th anniversary of the 1983 World Series by being one of the first 20,000 fans, 15 and over, to receive an Eddie Murray 1983 World Series bobblehead. Presented by Royal Farms. Come out to honor this World Series championship team and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays when gates open two hours early with happy hour, live music, and more. Get your tickets today at Orioles.com slash tickets. Welcome back into the batter. I'm rolling right along here on a Saturday morning. Today's show brought to you by Press Boxes Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. Watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports. Or you can listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with Hall of Famer John Smoltz, former Cardinals manager Mike Schilt, ESPN's Tim Kirkchin, and even Buster Olney. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in-review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Facebook.com. I want to comment on that real quick, by the way. I just want to comment. I could not care less. Like, there's things I care about, and there's things I absolutely do not care about. And this falls into that category where, like, I this is the only time I've ever, I'm ever going to talk about this, and it's going to be done after this. I do not care about Adley Rutschman taking Mike Messina's number at all. Like, and, it's, I, and, and Mike so Messina is my favorite pitcher of all time, and I don't care. It's the most irrelevant discussion to me, and the fact that Buster's still talking about it. You know, mentioned it on Sunday Night Baseball the other night. Like, I I don't know. The Glenn had him on yesterday. I, I read what Buster said. You can go watch that if you want to learn. But I, I don't want to I don't want to give the argument any more airtime, but it's just not a big deal in any way, shape, or form. People should stop talking about it. Like, they, they really should stop talking about it. I don't think people are talking about it. I think Buster maybe B- talking. Maybe Buster's talking about it, yeah. And, and I, look, he was on Glenn's show, and that was actually a segment I wanted to listen to, but I didn't get an opportunity, so I might check it out on my way home today. I did, and it was... Buster, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's just maybe you. Maybe, I'm you not saying that may, you saying that makes me maybe not want to. You you probably would get a little upset, I would think. Buster, all these people go after Buster, and they're like, he's not invited to the parade. Or oh, hey Buster, you remember tweeting this? You remember saying that? And look, there there is the one part of me that the the one thing I will say is that I don't want to hear Buster only say a positive word about this Orioles team or the players on it that are here because of how bad they were during the rebuild. I don't want to hear him lauding these players or the Orioles team or farm system because he was so vocal about it being bad for baseball. That And I know it's his job to talk about the team. Yeah. But bring that same energy, man. It, like, like, I don't care what he says anymore. I, I, I stopped caring a while ago because it was so obviously he had an axe to grind, mm-hmm. in my definitely, opinion. Definitely. And so for me, whatever, man. I'm, I'm not a big uh, go-after-buster on Twitter. I don't really go after anybody. It's it's hard to say because I do, but I don't. Like I'm, it, I'm not going to be a guy who, after the fact, is going to come at you and be like, you remember this? But your energy, Buster, when, like, I'm talking directly, the energy the Buster only brought about during the Orioles' really awful rebuild, those five seasons where they were just horrendous, or four seasons where they were just horrendous, bring that same energy now. Because you don't get to sit there and completely condemn the team for the way that they got here and then laud the team because they're really good now. You know, so what it reminds me of is the Lamar Jackson argument when people originally said, oh, he can't throw, and then they just kept moving the goalposts every time he'd break a record and he'd do something new and he'd be, you know, at one point he became the best quarterback in, in football and people just still move the goalposts. Right. It's what he's doing with the Orioles now where, you know, bad for baseball, bad for baseball. Now that they're winning and they're frankly good for baseball and the viewership is, you know, helping ESPN out and helping the company he works for out. He's now moved the goalpost to, oh, but they gave away uh, Mike Messina's number to Adley Rutschman. Yeah, like, and, it's and, just, they're, and, it's just, and they're only good because they moved their wall back. Right, and like it, just weird arguments. So anyway, but it's it's interesting. I would go listen to Glenn Clark Radio's uh, segment. Yeah, no, it's him. definitely it, a segment I want to listen to. I just It's important to listen to, I have to, I to prepare myself because I just, he's such a blowhard. <laughs> that like I, I I have to prepare myself to, to mentally it take just, 10 to 15 minutes yeah. of Buster only speaking. He just has this thing about him where I feel like he, there's just this genuine hatred of, mm. of the Orioles coming out of him. It's just, it's bizarre. It's, and it's, he's, it's bizarre. he is so incredibly arrogant. He's so incredibly arrogant about everything baseball. It's almost like he forgot where he came from type of situation. Uh, he just where, has, was, where was he originally a beat writer? I, I'm not the, he, for the Orioles. It was originally Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. I know Ken Rosenthal. I don't know. Was. I don't know if that's, if that's originally, but 
he made he 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 um. What's the word I'm looking for? He cut his teeth well, with well, the Orioles. We know. I mean, we, we saw Dan Connolly spar with the Angelos's. Maybe he sparred with them at some point, and that's why he's got... I, who knows? I don't know. I, 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 I don't I want mean, to assume. to say that Cal Ripken is the most selfish player that you ever covered, and it's not close. Right. Uh, Cal is widely loved yes. in Baltimore. Yes. And maybe he was a selfish player. I don't know. What I do know about Cal is that he was the first person at the ballpark every day and the last person to leave. He would work out for really two hours. Yeah. Uh, he, he stood there and he signed for every fan that wanted an autograph ev- after every single home game. Um, he played every single day because he knew it was, it was what was best for the team. And I don't know that that's selfish. I think it's Michael Jordan-esque. You, you, you have to outwork everybody yeah. else and lead by example and right. ex- have hold the, the the standards that you hold yourself to the expectations you have for yourself if you want to win you have to have your teammates have those same standards yeah. Yeah. and those same expectations if that makes Cal Ripken selfish because he demands so much out of his teammates and out of his team in general okay then maybe he's selfish but for Buster only to come out and say that uh, what he, are you he doing he said that on Sunday Night Baseball correct well, I I, I I, I don't know if he said that or if I that saw. Was I, I saw someone tweet it, but Somebody, I, I don't know. Where it, it was came a from. it was a snippet from okay. something, but I don't yeah. know if he said it because I was at the game. I didn't. I didn't see the. Oh broadcast. god. Okay. Got it. I was at got the it. game, so all the bro- all the broadcast stuff is just what I heard and what I saw right. from people on Twitter. Um, I don't know if it's something that he said in the past and people kept talking about it. I can't I imagine know. he would have said that on the broadcast. Yeah, that'd be pretty that's, out of place. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but, um, you're, Buster, you're probably right. I, I doubt he said that. But that's Buster, who by the way just reminds me of Pat Noswalt so much. Really? Yeah. No, I I don't agree with that. I, I really he, the the, the com- you know who I'm talking about yeah, the comedian yeah the he's a little bit of bigger guy shorter guy I, I know you're talking he's about he's the, I they could have been you know switched at birth it, for, really I, I, he, I, I he I, I've always thought that I've always I've just always looked at him and been like oh this is why he has a chip on his shoulder I gotta look up what Buster only looks like again and try to look it up see. Look, look him up and then look up Pat no- Oswald 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 however you pronounce his name I think because Roy Oz was Roy Oswald maybe it's Pat Oswald but I'm just stuck on Oswald. <laughs> I mean, I, I follow Patton uh, Oswald, Oswald, however you say it on Twitter, and I, I, he posts pictures of himself sometimes. So that's what I'm going off of here. Well, I, well I, he's he's older now. He is older I, now. You look yeah. at him at the height of his career, and he's very he's very Buster only. All right, <laughs> very Buster I, I only, guess and, may, and vice a little versa. Bit, a little bit. It is time now for the payoff pitch around the league. James McCann collected three hits and five RBIs versus his former team, and Jordan Westberg reached base four times, including a monster home run, driving in three as the Orioles outclassed the Mets 10-3. Sean Murphy, Marcelo Zuna, and Austin Riley homered. Acuna tallied three hits, and Max Fried allowed three singles and six shutout innings, walking none and striking out eight to help the the Braves demoralize the Cubs 8-0. Lane Thomas and Joey, Mene- and Joey Menezes combined for three home runs and five RBIs to lead the Nationals to a comeback victory over the Reds 6-3 and 10. Jose Siri homered and drove in three. Harold Ramirez had three hits and an RBI. And Zach, L- Zach Littell allowed three hits over six shutout innings as the Rays blanked the Tigers 8 to nothing. Yandy Diaz and Pedro Alvarez each homered, and Hunter Brown picked up a quality start, allowing two runs over six innings as the Astros handled the Yankees 7 to 3. Bobby Witt Jr. homered in the third inning to become the only player in MLB history with 20 homers and 30 stolen bases in each of his first two seasons. And Jordan Lyles picked up just his second win of the season, allowing five earned runs in five and two-thirds innings as the Royals came back on the Phillies to win 7-5. 
Toronto crushed five homers to back a quality start from Alec Manoa, who allowed three, three earned runs over six and two-thirds innings as the Blue Jays got back on track with a 7-3 win over the Red Sox. Andres Jimenez doubled twice in homer, driving in two to provide the difference in Cleveland's 4-2 win over the White Sox. Jordan Montgomery allowed two runs over six solid innings in his Rangers debut, and Adoles Garcia hit two solo home runs to help push the Rangers past the Marlins 6-2. Henry Davis homered, and Brian Reynolds collected three hits as as the Pirates took one from the first place Brewers 8-4. The Twins hit three solo home runs, the last coming off the bat of Michael Taylor in the seventh to push the Twins past the the, uh, Diamondbacks 3-2. Nolan Jones had three hits and three ribeyes, and Chris Flexen picked up his first win, allowing three runs in five innings despite surrendering ten hits in the Rockies' 8-3 victory over the Cardinals. Julio Rodriguez homered and doubled, driving in two, and even though Luis Castilla gave up seven runs on ten hits, the the Mariners managed to pull it out over the Angels 9-7. And finally, four Dodgers players drove in at least two runs, one of which was David Peralta, who doubled twice in the Dodgers' 10-5 victory over division rival Padres. Three debuts on tap, uh, pitcher-wise. So we'll start off in the 1 o'clock hour with two debuts. Aaron Savale goes against Tariq Skubal. Uh, Aaron Savale, of course, coming over from Cleveland, making his first start for the Rays. Tariq Skubal going for the Tigers. That's at 110. But Justin Verlander, the more important, I guess, of the two debuts, makes his re-debut, I guess you could call it, for the Houston Astros against Nestor Cortez, the former Oriole, going for the Yankees. That's 105 in the Bronx, Astros and Yankees. Braves and Cubs, Bryce Elder goes for the Braves. Javier Assad goes for the Cubs, 220 at Wrigley Field. George Soriano goes against John Gray, Marlins and Rangers, 405 at Globe Life Field. Joan Adon goes against Andrew Abbott, Nationals and Reds, 410 at Great American Ballpark. Jose Barrios goes for the Blue Jays, to be determined, goes for the Red Sox, 410 at Fenway. Alec Marsh goes against Christopher Sanchez, Royals and Philly, 605 at Citizens Bank Park. Tyler McGill goes for the Mets as Kyle Gibson goes for your Baltimore Orioles, 705 at in Baltimore. Any relation to Jimmy McGill of Better Call Saul? Uh, I'm sure there's a ton of Yeah, I'm sure yeah, that fictional character definitely versus works out a real like life that. human yeah, being. Makes sense. <laughs> Ross Stripling goes against To Be Determined again. Giants and A's 707 at the Oakland Coliseum. Ryan Nelson goes against Kenta, Maeda, D backs, and Twins 710 in Minnesota. Michael Kopech, Noah Syndergaard, White Sox and Guardians in division game in the AL Central, 7-10 in Cleveland. Bailey Falter makes his debut for the Pirates. Corbin Burns goes for the Brewers, 7-10 at American Family Field in Milwaukee. Ty Block goes against Stephen Matz. Two lefties go head-to-head, 7-15 at Bush Stadium. That's the Rockies and the Cardinals. To be determined, he's pitching a third game for the Dodgers. Blake Snell goes for the Padres, 8-40 at Petco Park. George Kirby, Tyler Anderson for the Mariners and the Angels to close it out at 907 in Los Angeles. So we got very well done, very well done. Um couple of things of personal notes for me. Today my wife is 17 weeks pregnant. What size is the baby now? I was about to say and our daughter <laughs> is the size of a large onion. <laughs> the size of it first non fruit. She is the size of oh, a man. large onion. Wow. I can't wait till next week when she's the size of an Idaho potato. So what's what's like the final fruit? Like what's the is it watermelon or oh, yes? Okay, they always say watermelon. it's like it's like pushing a watermelon through a a, a pinhole or something like yeah. that. Yeah, wow. women, man, God bless them, <laughs> God bless them. I was actually thinking about this last night. Actually, onion. I, I think it was this morning. I got up and went to the bathroom just to you know, number one, you know, and. <laughs> thanks, thanks for the clarification. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> and, and well, because you need the clarification with the next part of this. Oh, okay. While I was doing that, my wife had to get up and go use the guest bathroom to 
to go to, the, to number one because the baby's always the the bigger the baby gets, the more pushes on the bladder. And it, it. I, I realized she probably had to pee so badly that she couldn't even wait for me to fi- for forty five seconds for me to finish in the bathroom myself. And I start thinking about like, man, for me, I have to remind myself that she's pregnant. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have to consistently remind myself. Because you can't I'm, see the onion yet. Right. Like once and, it's watermelon, then. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm always like well aware of the fact that she's pregnant, but I have to remind myself she's carrying a child, a, a human being in her body right now. And it doesn't. I have to remind myself because I'm not going through that. Her body is changing every single day. It sounds like middle school. Right, right. And, <laughs> Science and, class. And, and like I have to remind myself that like she's going to get tired. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm like, man, why is she going to bed so early? Well, she's pregnant and she's carrying my child. You know what I mean? So I have to, I, I'm like, duh, Paul, she's pregnant just because you can't feel it. She's feeling every single bit of this. And I have to remind myself of that. And it's like, I thought about this morning. She was coming back from the bathroom. I'm like, man, I couldn't do it. Like it's, and it's got to be scary. It's got to be scary. Like you're carrying a child and you have to go through nine months of this and then you have to go through the labor of it. And it's just like, oh my God, my poor wife. I'm sorry I've done this to you. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, the, the end result is going to be so worth it, but man, I'm sorry. Uh, man, 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 I'm no, sorry I'm, that, you, that you have to go through this. I'm so sorry I've, I've done this to you. So I've, <laughs> me to put it. I've, I've really got to like learn to like remind, like I, I don't, I want to get to the point where I don't have to remind, like I, I, I always know that she's pregnant, but I want to get to the point where I don't have to remind myself of the effects that this is having on her because she is pregnant. So I'm working on it, my, my one true love, but I'm, uh, it's, it's a daily reminder. Maybe once she starts fully showing and she has that watermelon size and not just yeah. a large onion that, um, large onion, not even uh, a small onion. No, it's, it's a, she's the size of a large, it's a large that, that kid's growing. She she's gonna be she's gonna be big and strong. Is that the uh, is that the right uh, term? Like what, 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 what? It, the, the, it says like what what blank big, blank the name of our daughter? Oh okay, is as big as Bru- a large Bru- onion. Bruce Springsteen Valley is the size. Of, that's that's great. That's Brucetta. You should name her Brucetta. Brucetta. Yeah, we're gonna name our daughter Brucetta. <laughs> That's like a meat, right? I think that's like a no. Bruschetta is is the. It's like an Italian it, meat. No, you're oh, thinking of prosciutto. Oh, you're thinking yeah, of yeah, grilled yeah. Italian yeah. bread with mm. uh, arugula, you're tomatoes, right. some Parmesan, yeah. and a balsamic glaze drizzle. And I know that because the restaurant I work in on Saturday nights has very good mm. bruschetta. So our daughter, the size of a large large onion. onion. Um, and then. Another little bit of personal news. My sisters are twins, and today is National Twins Day. So, happy National Twins Day to my beautiful, wonderful sisters. I love you both very, very much. With that in mind, it is now time for Orioles Banter. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. Drew that one out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, and this is our deadline recap. The Orioles, they traded a, a week or so before the deadline. They got Shintaro Fujinami. Been some good, been some bad coming out of the bullpen for the Orioles. He was really good last night again. I'm wondering if there's something to his coming into a clean inning rather than pitching with guys on base. There might be something to that. Um, looked much better last night than he did at any point the other day uh, when he hit, walked a guy and then hit two guys in a row with the bases loaded for the Orioles to lose that game. Um, I, and, and they traded for Jack Flaherty. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I feel like, I, I was going to say, I feel like I can see confidence issues in... Uh, what Fujinami's done so far. You look at him and he comes to the mound and he's 
looks like he's fidgety and, and sweating a little bit and, and just nervous about what he's about to go through. And when he comes in with a clean inning, perhaps that anxiety goes away and it just becomes just, you know, uh, more of a, a an easy outing for him. But when he has guys on base, he certainly looks fidgety, nervous. Last night he looked, you know, kind of comfortable compared mm-hmm. to what he did a few days ago. And obviously when you're hitting two guys in a row with, with pitches that really, frankly, weren't even close. And the one was on an 0-2 count. You've got to wonder what's going on in that guy's head. Like mm-hmm. You've got to wonder. He just looked like he was just moving all around, and I, I just looked at him. I felt sorry for him, honestly, because I, I, I felt, you know, when I used to pitch in high school, I, I know what anxiety in the mound feels like because it's kind of you against the world, you feel like, in that mm-hmm. moment where you're just trying to, throw quality strikes and he tried I think he was trying way too hard to throw quality strikes and things turned very badly for him very quickly that's how I felt with Dean Kramer last night when he completely lost it because I pitch and the last game I pitched in was two weeks ago and I threw one inning I gave up five runs and it was my worst outing of the year by a good bit I there was a point where I could not put the ball over the plate no matter what I did I could not put the ball over the plate and I it was it's the most frustrating thing because you know it's a mechanical issue. You know it's a mechanical issue yeah. that's now turning into a mental issue. And no matter what you do, unless you put it right down the middle, you can't get the ball over the plate. Exactly. You know, and that's what happened to Dean Kramer last night. And I could see it and I knew all too well exactly how he felt because I've yep. been there. It's like the most frustrating thing because you have you can't find the rhyme. You know what's going on, but you don't know how to fix it in the moment. And I don't have a pitching coach to come out and tell me how to fix it. i got to figure this out on my own. You know what I mean? So I, I 100% felt for Dean Kramer last night. But we're getting off topic here. Fuji, uh, Jack Flaherty, uh, two pretty decent moves to come over for the Orioles uh, prior to the deadline. Uh, Michael Elias said that he took some big swings. We heard, again, the rumors about Dylan Cease, uh, Justin Verlander, and um, Eduardo Rodriguez, amongst others. And he said they probably missed out on some other opportunities trying to make these big deals work. Is that a situation where this is the first time Mike Elias has been the general manager, been running the ship in a moment where the Orioles are buyers? It's the first time he's done Correct. it. Correct. Right? Do you think that this is a learning experience for him and how he's going to handle deadlines instead of spending all your time and energy and focus on making this deal that's not maybe not going to work? Maybe you you give them your best couple of offers. They say no. You got to move on to something else. You think it's a learning experience for that? I think he's definitely going to learn something from this. I mean, there's there's some takeaway, and the takeaway is really that you came away with one guy when you probably could have came away with two or three. Yeah. And you know, you you look at the relievers, and there were a lot of guys in the market. There really were, and to not come away with a single one. And Fujinami doesn't really count for me because that was two weeks ago now. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe a little longer. Yeah. And I I don't necessarily look at that as. A deadline move. It was more of just a move to, to bolster your bullpen at that time. There were guys on the market. You know, you look at Scott Barlow being one of them, and there were plenty of others. I think getting too caught up in Justin Verlander, Dylan Cease could have absolutely distracted him. So yeah, there will be a a learning experience for him. I don't know what that's going to look like, and and next year certainly he's probably going to be in this buying position again, and he can learn from these mistakes and start to maybe delegate a little bit more or something. I, I'm not sure what the deal is because I wasn't in that room when he was making these deals, but. I certainly think going after Verlander and at least trying and saying, hey, you know, we're interested, that kind of thing is always the right move. I really don't know how, based in reality, those Dylan Cease rumors were. I didn't hear a massive reporter, the, the Joel Shermans of the world, the Ken Rosenthal's of the world, those kind of guys. John Paul Morosi, but I don't know where he, okay. I don't know where Morosi got this um I, rep, I, I, reputa- didn't see him post that. I don't know where he got this reputation of 
not being a reliable source. But a lot of people on Orioles Twitter seem oh, to think that he's not a reliable source. I think he when is. I say a lot of people, I saw like three or four different people okay. who, are, they, and none of them are like very like actually verified or anything like yeah. that. Maybe they paid for the check mark, but um, and I guess it's not Twitter anymore. It's X. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you it's, don't tweet. You just post. I'm never calling it X. I'm yeah, not referring I'm never, to it as yeah, X. It's Twitter. It's Twitter. Um, I, I, but there are fans that believe he's not a reliable source for whatever reason. Um, I don't know why. Um, and maybe Stan's right. Maybe I need to stop, you know, crediting fans um for their opinions. It's just something. That, it's something that people talk about. So I like to talk about it because who's listening to our show? Fans. So I like to give not credence or credit, but at least talk about what what what, what the people, people what the people are out yeah. there are, are talking about. But no, you're right. I I saw that too. I I think Marusi's pretty pretty reliable. Yeah. And he, he's he, on MLB Network. I imagine he's a reliable. Yeah, and guy. he had even mentioned Flaherty. He was the guy who mentioned Flaherty in the Orioles connection about yeah. four hours before the deadline happened. So I, I yeah, certainly and a lot, see a said that they were talking to Flaherty literally all day. Yeah. Um. So this wasn't like a new thing that came at the la- in the last moment. Um, the Dylan Cease thing, I saw people like White Sox fans saying that they should give up like Grayson and Gunner and, and Holiday. And it's like, you're not getting one of those guys, let alone all three. Right. I saw, um, people saying like, like, uh, I guess it was a, like the New York Mets version of Utah Street Report, maybe okay. saying that there should be three guys that they ask for and they should be. Uh, for uh, for Verlander, number one, Grayson Rodriguez, number two, I, I believe it was Colton Kowser, and number three, um, uh, Heston Kerstad. I saw a lot of people legitimately saying, and these were fans of other teams, not the Orioles. I think Orioles fans know a lot better than this by now. A lot of people were saying Jackson Holiday for you know whoever, whether it was Justin Verlander, Dylan Cease, other teams. And I'm going, do you know just how much they value Jackson Holiday? Do you he, really understand how much uh, it's Jackson? The second somebody said Jack about who they wanted yeah. I guarantee Michael I said no <laughs> no what's your next best offer I, I really I you know after the trade deadline happened and I couldn't have told you this at two o'clock or four o'clock on that day or whenever I firmly believe that Michael Elias never once offered Heston Kerstad never once offered really any of those Kobe Mayo guys. Colton Co- Kobe Kowser. Mayo Colton Kowser I really feel like those guys were firmly off the table you think Westberg was off the table too yes I actually think yeah, so. I, yeah. I, I have loved what Jordan Westberg he strikes out sometimes Jordan Westberg does that but somebody has I've seen this mentioned a couple times that they're that people that the fans are reminded of Nick Markakis in the way that Jacks in the way that Jordan Westberg carries himself the way that he plays the game just a gritty hard nosed player doesn't say much doesn't have it's more like JJ Hardy to me no but JJ Hardy would smile I guess yeah you know what I mean like Nick Markakis just showed up and led by example he played every day he put the bat on the ball and he was a really good gritty player. And I th- and I do see that with Jordan Westberg. He shows up. He's never too high. He's never too low. You barely ever see him smile. It's a very stoic look on his face. Yeah. He just plays baseball and he plays it well. And and I, I he's very quietly hitting two seventy six yeah. oh, in yeah. twenty seven games with the Orioles right now. Monstrous home run last night. I mean, he hit that ball four hundred twenty four feet and it got out in about in about three tenths of a second. Yeah. Um, I would love to see him play more. Would love to see him play more. I'm still waiting. I think we've seen it once or twice where Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kalzer, Adley Rutschman, and Jordan Westberg all play in the same lineup. I'm like very sorely waiting for that right now. Yeah. Um, would love to see it. But I firmly believe those guys are off the table. I really yeah. think Michael Elias said, okay, there's 
a number of maybe these lower level guys, Zach Showalter obviously being one of them, that we're willing to trade, and we're willing to trade from that lower level depth, but these guys that are AAA, these guys that we really like, and these guys that are in our top five or six prospects that we value personally, that's the guys that are off the table. Yeah, and, and I think Connor Norby is a guy who's maybe on the table. I think so. I think he's probably probably, probably on the table. Joey Ortiz, I mean, not maybe Joey Ortiz, but maybe not. Yeah. Um, but I think that obviously Prieto. Um, I don't. I wonder if Cade Povich was ever brought Possibly. up. But I agree with you. I, I think that the power profile from Kobe Mayo and what he's done in Double A and Triple A this year, Heston Kerstad has hit everywhere in yeah. the over for over a year now. Um, I agree with you. I think that these guys were off the table. I think it's why the Justin Verlander argument, which uh, or not argument, I should say, but the the talks kind of started and ended that quickly. And that's mm-hmm. what John Heyman went on MLB Network and he said, "Well, it basically ended." 20 minutes after they started it because I clearly they just weren't agreeing and they probably said hey we want Heston Kerstad and Michael I said no it's off the table best I can do is Connor Norby best I can do is Cade Povich that kind of thing and they just yeah. couldn't come to that and it, you certainly got Drew Gilbert out of that for if you're the Mets and you like that a lot better yeah yeah and it's credit to Michael Elias they got a good pitcher out of the deal definitely they got a reliever who we think has a lot of upside and he didn't give away any top 10 prospects to make this happen. Right. And now the Orioles are set for the foreseeable future with the prospects they have in-house. I do expect them to do something over the winter, yeah. whether it's trading or signing for somebody. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I expect something. Um, but I, you look at the rest of the division. We talked about this at the beginning of the show. You look at the rest of the division, and this, this division, in my opinion, is the Orioles to lose at this point. They yeah. have the easiest strength of schedule the rest of the way in the American League East. And the the Rays, Aaron Savali is a fine pitcher. He's a three, right? Uh, I think he's like a two. I, mean, I, I think he's a two on his best day, right? I, 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 numbers are pretty good, man. Yeah, they're, they're yeah, really good. Yeah, but look at he, he's never other year guy. He's like the Jock Peterson of yeah. pitching. No, I think he's better. I think he's better than that. I mean, Jock Peterson every other year will hit two seventy with twenty five to thirty home runs, and the next year he'll he'll hit two thirty with sixteen home runs. I, I mean, he's he's. It, that's that's kind of who Aaron Savale is. One year he'll go fifteen and ten with a you know three fifteen ERA, and the next year he'll go eight and nine with a four forty three ERA. You know, it's, this, um, based on this year alone, it's been really good. I mean, yeah, I think the ERA was two point six coming into today, two point three somewhere around that. It was in the twos, I believe. So. Yeah, he's having a good year. He's having he, a good year, he, and, and the Rays desperately needed him yep. because they've lost four fifths of their opening day starting rotation. Yeah, and yeah, they, they they've got Savale, they've got Glass now. And that's really about it. Yeah, they're, they're they're beat up. The Yankees are beat up. The Red Sox are the Red Sox. I mean, they, their roster's fine, but it's not good enough to overtake the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Every time they start playing well, the Orioles come to town and kick the crap out of them. So yeah. it's to me, it's the Orioles' division to lose. The pitchers have to get deeper. They need to stop hitting that wall in the sixth inning, and we really need to see this bullpen Definitely. needs help. And that brings us to John Means, Tyler Wells, D.L. Hall, Alston Voth, and Keegan Aiken and Michael Givens. I do not see a scenario in which Keegan Aiken becomes a regular part of no, this bullpen again. No he, way. He can't no. at this point. You can't trust him. Um, even when he was healthy, he was... And you look at it... So I looked this up um, early in the year. Last year's league average for inherited runners allowed to score was 34%, and the Orioles as okay. a team allowed 37%. Yeah. Um, Mike Bauman came in last night. They said uh, um, inherited runner strand at 61%. That means he allows 39% of inherited runners to score. That's above league average. Yeah. Um, Keegan Aiken, Brian Baker, who who got 
sent to AAA if, for the Jack Flaherty move. Um, those guys can't have a role in this team the rest of this year. Right. They, they can't. Austin Voth, maybe he was injured and that's why he didn't pitch well. I think he's going to get another opportunity, especially because he signed that two-year deal. I don't think he can be optioned either. Unless they DFA him, Austin Voth's going to get a, get an opportunity. He should. Yeah. John Means, I imagine, is going to be a, a, a bridge reliever, maybe a, a two- or three-inning guy out of the bullpen. D.L. Maybe, Hall yeah. and, and Tyler Wells, one- to two-inning guys each. Michael Givens has looked really good on this rehab. And the point I'm making is there's not a lot of room for a lot of guys coming back. And what are the Orioles going to do about this? And, and it's one of those situations where in the beginning of the year when it was like, well, what do they do with their bullpen when Tate and Givens come back? You cross that bridge when you come to it, but it's not something that you can't that yeah. you don't think about. I mean, there's not a guy that you mentioned, and I, I, to be honest, I don't remember every guy you mentioned, but just the ones I do remember: John Means, you know, Michael <laughs> Michael Givens, Keegan Aiken, the Brian Baker of, of the world. If he comes back up, even the Joey Crables of the world, we can throw into this because he's on the team at the moment. There is not a guy in that group I trust. My, and Michael Givens, I would trust. I, you know, he he's had a long career of of pretty good baseball and, and pretty good pitching, but he has been hurt all year and, and when he was here he wasn't good at all he was horrible he's pitched really well he, but rehab. he but he had and he has and that's great but i i want to see it transfer at the major league level and until then i won't trust it yet. so you don't you're not trusting in dl hall you're not trusting no. in tyler wells or and, and i think anything you get I, out of john means is a bonus right maybe I, <clears throat> tyler wells is the one i'm kind of on the fence about because i i just feel like he's mentally and physically exhausted I feel yeah. like he's kind of hit his limit, and I don't know how much more you're going to get out of him. If you do put him back in the bullpen, he might only be able to pitch twice a week. So I, maybe even if he's good, I I, I don't see a lot of quantity yeah. out of him. I I just don't see a name in there where I'm like, man, that's going to really change this bullpen for the better. I I just don't. Do you do you look at? I think we can all agree that Joey Ortiz should be here now. Oh, undoubtedly. And yeah. I think that the that the Orioles' best infield is when I say infield, I'm not talking about first base. Westberg at second, Gunner at third, Ortiz at shortstop. That's the best. Yeah. And then you have Urias and Frazier getting their spot starts. But the, the problem is, Adam Frazier has been just good enough that you can justify him being in the lineup, and Brandon Hyde will start him five times a week. Yeah. Uh, at, at the expense of at the expense of a Westberg, at the expense of a maybe a Joey Ortiz, who I think if he comes up, he's a utility guy in Brandon Hyde's yeah. mind. Um, at the expense of a Ramon Urias. Yeah. So to me. You, you, I think the best version of the Orioles is those three guys that I mentioned: Gunner, Ortiz, Westberg around the bend. I just don't think it's going to happen. So I, I look at Mateo and Connor Newcomb tweeted it the other day uh, on his Locked On Orioles account. And he said, "It's time to make the move." Yeah, it's time to make the move. Like I'm, I'm just going to corroborate that. It's the Orioles have for too long accepted no bet. And everything else is kind of a mediocre. Mm -hmm. The speed's been great. I mean, that's always what it is. But when I say everything else, I mean defense. I mean accuracy of throws. I mean everything. It's been very, very underwhelming. Jorge Mateo has done very little for this team since May. Yeah. And really before May. It was, it was I, April where he was extremely good. And then you look at it. The last time he got a base hit, he stole second. And that got thrown out trying to steal third. <laughs> right, right. right? I, I, the, the value isn't there anymore. And there really isn't a place for Ryan McKenna and Jorge Mateo on the same team. There shouldn't be. If you want one of them, fine. I, I can live with it. And we've lived with it for all, all, all year. And, and now there's both of them on this team. And I look at that and I go, there's really not better options when Heston Kerstad is in the minor leagues and Joey Ortiz has already been here twice, three times I think it was. Joey Ortiz should be here instead of Mateo. I, I can live with Heston Kerstad not being here right now. 
But I, I understand that. But Jorge Mateo well, and doesn't have a place. Colton Kalzer is a prime example of what happens when you bring a top prospect up. That sometimes this can happen. Sometimes sure. they can be. I've said it so many times. Sometimes you're the bug. Sometimes you're the windshield. Mm-hmm. How a, a top prospect can be the bug for an extended period of time. Right. You know, and I was hoping that Kalzer was going to break out of that slump, that, that that double that he hit that he just absolutely smoked to the gap the other yeah. day, that that was the start of it. And then even though he walked at one point last night, he had another really bad-looking Yeah, strikeout. bats weren't good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... <clears throat> I noticed with Kalzer, he struggles terribly with high and away. Yeah. High, oh, he, he, and the, he flails. He just flails. And he's just sticking the bat out there and hoping <clears throat> to foul it off. Yeah. It, it, he should just stop swinging at those. They're, I mean, even if it's a strike, he should just hold the bat on his yeah. shoulder because at the end of the day he has been very unsuccessful in that part of the zone i know uh baseball savant does their their hot zone chart where they'll show you where what part of the zone he he's probably uh you know making the most contact in i would assume it's down and in for him from what yeah. i've seen so far but there really hasn't been a lot of contact he's yeah. been striking out way he's too much he's got six hits yeah so, uh, six hits on how many at bats like like 60 yeah so yeah, he, he when he had his first bat last night he was batting 115 right so it's about probably about 100 now that makes yeah. sense yep yeah so it, which is why I think they would be hesitant to pull the trigger on bringing up a Kerstad, bringing up an Ortiz. But Ortiz's bat speed, and we've already seen him up here. Uh, I think Ortiz provides more, and he can also he's also proven he can play elite defense at second base and third base if that's where you need to put him. So he he looks comfortable and he looks fluid at every infield position that you would want to put him at. But are you going to stop playing Frazier? Are you going to stop playing? Um, Aaron Hicks, when he comes back, are you going to stop playing Ramona Rios? It's you've run into that problem. A lot of uh, player, a lot of good players from not a lot of spots. And when you bring Kershaw up, are we looking at Heston Kershaw the same way that we looked at Gunnar Henderson last year, where it's like maybe he should be here now, probably should be here now, but he's not going to get here till the end of the month. Probably, probably. I mean, Stan said it. There's really not a great place for him to play right now, and you don't want him sitting on the bench. Yeah. Well, he he's, but he also said that one of the first things he said was. The time has come for it to be cursed out over McKenna. Oh well, definitely, I, I agree with that. But again, McKenna, I mean, he has played the last four days. Yeah. So I guess I can't really make. I that think argument. I think we'd yeah. all much rather see Heston Kerstad playing the last four days than, than <laughs> undoubtedly. Ryan but again, you've got to have guys who can play center field. Aaron Hicks coming back, Cedric Mullins coming back. That's also going to create a log jam in the outfield. McKenna's going to be the casualty. We know that mm-hmm. obviously, um, sooner rather than later. But then, if they want to have both of those guys on the same roster, given that they come back at the same time, it's going to be well, tricky. And are you going to have a roster that now is going to when when Mullins comes back, you're going to have Hayes, Mullins, um, Kalzer, Santander, um, Hicks, right, O'Hearn, and Kerstad? How do you fit all those guys onto the roster? It's, it's impossible, really. I, I don't think you can. It, I think Hicks might be a DFA candidate. He could be. He uh, might be, uh, but I also think that Brandon Hyde loves loves Hicks. So. I mean, well, I, I've liked Hicks a lot more than I certainly could have expected to. Yeah. Because he's been a lot better than everybody expected. But do you to. want him playing over the, any of those guys I just mentioned? No. Exactly. No. Exactly. We got to catch a break. I want to remind you today's show is brought to you by the latest edition of Press Box, which is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact the late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue the, that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation. And you'll find a, a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the 
state. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. When we come back in from the Baltimore banner, Andy Kotzka, that's next on the Bataround. It's a Maryland thing. Where the waves meet the shore, you will find Dorchester County. Hi, this is Jimmy Charles. When I think of Maryland, I think Dorchester County on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland Picking a restaurant to try for the first time? Let's look at the Costas Inn. Here's a few checklist items. Quality of the food, check. Quality of service, check. Does restaurant have plenty of free parking? Check. And finally, does restaurant have delicious steamed crabs, crab cakes, crab soup, and specials galore? Check, check, check. Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard. They check all the boxes. Hey, O's fans, on Saturday, August 5th, when the O's take on the New York Mets at 7.05, celebrate the 40th anniversary of the 1983 World Series by being one of the first 20,000 fans, 15 and over, to receive an Eddie Murray 1983 World Series bobblehead. Presented by Royal Farms. Come out to honor this World Series championship team and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays when gates open two hours early with happy hour, live music, and more. Get your tickets today at Orioles.com slash tickets. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Soak up summertime fun in Charm City. Enjoy only in Baltimore festivals, mouth-watering eats, and endless entertainment. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards. Pick crabs by the waterfront. Beat the heat inside a world-class museum and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn. I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, I appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. He is Gunnar Henderson. Thank you all so much. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great Ravens. Hey, Lewis. Always good to be home. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Jan Grandy, president of AJ Michaels, your carrier energy expert for 44 years. Save money, energy, and make your home more comfortable and virus-free. Find us at ajmichaels.com. That's ajmichaels.com. All electronic tolling is here to stay in Maryland. And driveeasymd.com helps you cruise a little easier. We're Maryland's tolling resource. Home to Easy Pass, pay-by-plate, and video tolling. It's never been easier to pay your way. driveeasymd.com will keep you moving. 
You feel that? That's the sound of football coming back. And now's the time to place your preseason bets with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in Vegas. And now you can use my promo code, GlennClark23, to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, they'll match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code GlennClark23. All one word, no spaces, two N's in Glenn. Don't miss out this football season. Win some money with Superbook Sports and that promo code GlennClark23. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Rolling right along here on the show today and joining us now, <clears throat> excuse me, Joining us now from the Baltimore Banner, he is Andy Kotchka. Andy, good morning. It's Paul. It's Zach. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? We're doing very well. Glad to have you on. The last time we had you on, you were quite under the weather. You sound like you're doing well today. So uh, glad that, to hear that you are <laughs> that you are feeling better. Orioles been feeling good all year. They have the best record in the American League, second best record in baseball, and first place in the toughest division in baseball, that being the AL East. And Andy, they go out at the trade deadline. They pick up Jack Flaherty for Drew Rahm, um, Cesar Prieto, and Zach Showalter. Should fans be upset at the cost of a rental? Um, and if they shouldn't be upset, why does Jack Flaherty make that cost okay? They should not be upset at the, at the cost. It's kind of a going rate, honestly. Uh, they did they did well. There were many players kind of on the on the realm of possibility that the, the O's could go for that. Uh, Michael Lass decided not to go for purely because of the cost, you know, be it a, a top 10 prospect, you know, there, there were a lot of names that Elias said that just were off limits for him. And, and that, you know, was difficult to kind of shake teams from looking at obviously because they're great players in the minor leagues and, uh, you know, <laughs> attractive uh, trade pieces uh, for a team that's rebuilding. Um, but, you know, Drew Rahm um, was going to have trouble breaking through in the starting rotation sure. for this team. Um, and so I, I think this is a totally uh, respectable deal. Uh, Zach Showalter, a, a ways off in the minor league. Cesar Prieto um, is quite a good hitter, but uh, you have a lot of infield prospects, so you can kind of uh, you can weather that and, and, and feel like you know you're getting a, a starting pitcher that can help push to October, maybe win the division, and uh, you never know, maybe maybe uh, you know maybe more in, in October. So. Definitely, so to me, it was a, a totally fair, fair deal, and, and the, the kind of the kind of deal that the Orioles needed to make uh, to add some support for a rotation that has been a little bit uh, taxed of late. Yeah, oh, absolutely taxed. Tyler Wells, a prime example, looks at, looked absolutely gassed before getting sent to Bowie. And we'll talk about him in just a little bit. But sticking with Jack Flaherty, comes out, shoves in his first outing. He threw more 96-mile-an-hour fastballs in his first Orioles start uh, than he had all year, 7-6, to six, including his fastest pitch at 97 miles an hour. I believe that was on his, fast, uh, his first fastball that he threw. Did he mention anything after the game? Did the Orioles make any kind of tweaks um, with him, or is it just one of those things where he was just kind of riding on adrenaline? Yeah, I actually asked him specifically in Toronto to, to see whether he had made a tweak or whether, you know, it was adrenaline slash eight days, you know, rest between his last start and, and Thursday. Um, it, was, it was more of the, the, you know, the adrenaline and the fact that he had, you know, multi, had an extended break between you know, his last start and, and Thursday. Um, we'll see. I mean, the O's have a track record of making tweaks and, and 
you know, adjusting, you know, a, a player's repertoire or, you know, mechanical, um, you know, outlook to, to have, you know, different, uh, different looks, but he had 24 hours, you know, he arrived in, he arrived Wednesday in Toronto and, and really the only thing the Orioles were thinking of was, you know, how can we make him feel as comfortable as possible with Adley Rushman behind the plate and, and throw a, a good performance. And, and they, you know, achieve that with, um, you know, the very little preparation they were able to have. Um, so yeah, n- none, you know, no mechanical tweaks yet. Uh, those will come, but, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he looked great. There was a lot, of, a lot of adrenaline for him. First time in, in nine seasons, you know, since he was drafted, you know, first round as a, you know, as a Cardinal, that he pitched in a different uniform. So it was a, it was a big, big day for him. And, uh, he really, he stepped up. Yeah, he he looked absolutely fantastic. Every bit the pitcher the Orioles were hoping, at least through one start when when they traded for him on Tuesday. No other moves made at the deadline, Andy. And Michael Elias said that it was one of the um, craziest deadlines that he's ever seen. So they took a lot of big swings with nothing coming to fruition. Also said that they probably missed out on other opportunities by focusing too much on those big swings. They were linked to Verlander, linked to Dylan Cease, among others. How close did they actually come to landing either one of them? And did, in either case, was Jackson Holiday ever asked for? Because I'm sure he wasn't offered. I'm sure that the it, the conversation stopped and ended if he was mentioned. Yeah, I don't know the specific on whether Jackson Holiday's name came up. I do know that many of those top ten prospects, be it a Heston Kerstad or a you know Jordan Westford or Corden Cowser, I mean those names crop up. You know, mm-hmm. in, in, in trade conversations, I mean teams want to know how much can they get back and. Uh, Elias was not willing to trade the future um, for a, a, you know, in, in Jack Flaherty's case, a rental. Um, you know, you never know with, you know, if they had gone with Eduardo Rodriguez, he has a player option. Maybe he would have, you know, maybe he can opt out or if he stayed, you know, may, you know, they might've been more willing to to pay on that regard because you have the potential to have a guy for multiple years after this one. But um, they were, you know, the front office was, was very uh, passionate about keeping Jackson Holiday, not having him part of any trade. Sure. So, yeah, I don't know exactly if his name was came up. I assume it had to have. Um, you know, teams are going to start with the best and then kind of work down. Um, but he was a, he was a non-starter for, for the O's. Um, I think we all agreed that, that, that they, that the O's probably needed to add an impact reliever aside from Fujinami. They weren't able to do that. So now it looks like they're going to be having to improve the bullpen from within. And from within, you're looking at uh, probably Tyler Wells, D.L. Hall, Michael Givens, uh, maybe even John Means as a reliever rather than a starter when he comes back. Are the Orioles looking at those as the moves that they that they, that they were going to be making for the, bullpen, uh, for the bullpen the rest of the way? And how likely are we to see John Means be in that reliever role rather than a starting role? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be actually really surprised if John Means takes over a starting role and and it's actually possible just to to backtrack a, a little bit it, it's entirely possible to use him as an opener mm-hmm. um just it, it's it's a little bit of an easier warm-up process for a guy that is used to being a starter if you're going to say hey we want you to pitch two innings at the beginning of a game um to kind of go through his normal routine and and have a starter routine so you don't you know stress anything out before for a guy that's just coming off Tommy John surgery so that's an Entirely possible that the use John means is kind of that opener, and then you can always have Tyler Wells as a pen for a couple of innings behind. I think piggybacking is definitely a possibility. Um, I would, you know, all the names you mentioned Wells, um, Theo Hall, John Means, um, 
I know you said another one in there too. Michael but Givens. All those are, yeah, Michael Givens. You know, you know, if if and when he comes back, I mean, all those are definite possibilities to be out of the bullpen. Um, it's going to be a case where you know, if you think about the postseason, they don't need a five-man rotation sure. in the postseason. You can usually get away with you know four, if not three, uh, if you go short rest. So you know, think of you know, who knows? Maybe that means Bradish is in the bullpen, or you know, maybe that means Dean Kramer's in the bullpen. Who? Whatever alignment they want to go, if, if Cal Gibson's the one that moves the bullpen, they, they have the ab- ability now to have the overflow effect of, you know, certain starters will find, you know, as the season goes on, and especially in the postseason, that they're going to be more bullpen pieces. And that's a pretty normal thing for, you know, teams to, teams to do. And I think it's definitely, a, you know, it's the way that this team's going to have to do it uh, just because they, they didn't go out and get another reliever, which... I'm not really, I don't think they necessarily needed to do it um, just because they have the, the starting pitching options that they can kind of push into, into the bullpen, especially if you think that, you know, Dia Hall comes back with the velocity that he had previously. If John Means comes back in, in any form of, of himself, uh, you feel pretty good. Now, you mentioned John Means maybe as an opener piggybacking with Tyler Wells, and you also mentioned you don't need a five-man rotation in the playoffs, but to get to the to get through the rest of the regular season before the playoffs, uh, the Orioles, they have four-fifths of their starting rotation, uh, and I'm including Tyler Wells in this, who have come up on innings limit, not innings limits, but career highs in innings. Wells has already gone down to Bowie to work on some things. Um, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, Grayson Rodriguez, all either at or approaching their career highs. Do you see the Orioles potentially going to a six-man rotation the rest of the way to kind of use that piggyback with it with a John Means and potentially save some of these guys so that they're a little bit fresher uh, and not hitting a wall right as they're making it into the postseason? Yeah, I mean, we've seen other teams take that approach. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if the Orioles did it. Um, although I think the, the thing that prevents them from doing a six-man rotation is purely because they'd like to have eight guys in the bullpen. Um, and they don't want to necessarily have a seven-man bullpen with, you know, six-man rotation. Um, well, I mean, we'll see. I think that's definitely a possibility, and, and all things are on the table. And, we'll, you know, right now, you know, Tyler Wallace is the first one that you saw kind of run into that. You know, I know he, he says his body felt physically fine. Um, it looked to be fatigue, um, you know, as he runs up, you know, career high in, in innings. Uh, we'll see if that strikes other players uh, to the same extent. But, um, you know, I, I would imagine that everything is on the table for this for this organization, be it a six-man rotation um, or what else. Uh, so, yeah, definitely something that they're considering. Uh, I would I would be surprised um, if they move to it in August. Maybe that's a September thing when rosters expand. Sure. Um, they have a little bit more flexibility. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I definitely think it's something being considered. Are we looking at Heston Kerstad as the 2023 version of Gunnar Henderson where he's tearing it up in the minor leagues and it looks like he should be here now, but they're going to wait till the end of the month, uh, try and keep those at-bats lower to keep his, his rookie status intact for next year? Or is it just a matter of, yeah, he could probably be here now and be an impact player, but who's he going to play over? Is that the situation we're looking at with Kerstad? Yeah, I, I think he would probably be a late addition to this roster, kind of in the same vein that Gunnar Henderson was. Um, but I mean, as you as you mentioned, you know, it'd be tough to tough to find playing time for him um, because he, he can't play in center field. And and once Cedric Mullins comes back, you feel really good about an outfield of Santander, 
uh, Hayes and Mullins. Um, So it it will be, I think there will be opportunities for him. You know, when roster expand, you you can have him in there. Um, But I think, yeah, you know, that's, that's something that is always going to be a case where you don't want to steal that batch from a guy too early in in the minor leagues. um, If he's not going to be, you know, an everyday starter. Um, So, We'll see exactly when he comes up, but I imagine by you know sometime September he'll be he'll be uh, he'll be an Oriole. Andy Kotzka of the Baltimore Banner joining us here on the Batterons. Just another minute or two with Andy here, and you know we're talking about Heston Kerstad, but now Joey Ortiz. The kind of writing's been on the wall with with Jorge Mateo. The bat hasn't played since the end of April. The defense is still good, but not as good as it was last year. And he's been making some more mental errors uh, in the recent weeks with the, with less playing time. Nobody, none of the infielders were traded at the deadline. Are we looking at a time now where Joey Ortiz could be here sooner rather than later? And if he is here, are you looking at Joey Ortiz being an everyday player? Or is he filling kind of a utility role where he's gaining cobwebs on the bench like he did the last time around? Uh, I think it would probably be more of a utility role. I kind of envision Ramon Arias at, at third, Gunner at at, uh, at short, and. Frazier or Westberg at, at second mm-hmm. is kind of the way it probably will, will shake out. Um, but, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I definitely do think Joey Ortiz will be an addition sooner rather than later. Um, he's hitting so well in, in AAA. I think has like a 950 OPS right now. And uh, Mateo has, has struggled, you know, with, uh, you know, really since, I don't think he has a home run since April. Um, we've, we've seen some more of those errors. If you think about, you know, Wednesday's game, uh, you know, a pretty costly error in the, in the Fujinami inning. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the, the problem with moving on from Mateo is, is really that somebody, most likely, you know, some other team will pick him up on waivers. And, right. and he's not a guy that they always want to get rid of because he's a pinch run option that could be really valuable. And, you know, in the postseason, especially, or, you know, late, late this season, um, he's a, you know, can play like worst case scenario, can play center field. If, if, if there's something that happens to, to Mullins in the, in the postseason, so um, you know he just he he brings a lot in those <clears throat> defensively, and I know his def- defense hasn't been as standout as it was last year, but still you know a good defender, um, great base runner. Um, I would have a hard time believing that they'd be willing to uh, try to sneak him through waivers uh, because he probably would get picked up. But I definitely think Joey Ortiz uh, is making a case that. Uh, you know, Gunner and, and Ortiz can, you know, split time at shortstop rather than Mateo and Gunner. But, um, you know, these are, it, it's, it's a lot to consider with, you know, the possibility of, of losing a guy on, on waivers. You know, they, they definitely don't want to do that either. Yeah, absolutely. I think we can all agree on that. And, you know, if Joe Ortiz is going to play more, it's one of those things where he's going to have to force their hand to p- because of how well he's performing. Before we let you go, Andy, we play a little game here called Take to Rake on the bat around. The rules are simple. Um, there's one rule. You can't take any player that was taken by, in your your um, instance, uh, by the guest who picked last week. Ben McDonald was on the show last week. He took Gunnar Henderson, and Gunnar Henderson won Take to Rake last week. So you get to pick first today. Any player except for Gunnar Henderson is available, and they're gonna. It's who you think is gonna have the best offensive week from today's game through our show next Saturday. Wow. Okay, this puts me on the spot. Uh, Anthony Santander. I think he's gonna he's gonna turn around and, and have a uh, have a really good week. I think that's a solid pick. I thought that for last week and took him, and I came in last. But he is due for a huge breakout <laughs> here. So, Andy, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Uh, where can our listeners find you? 
Yeah, uh, subscribe to the Baltimore Banner. Uh, the, uh, it's, it's not just me. It's John Mioli, Daniel Allentuck, uh, Kyle Goon. There's a lot of good content on there. All right, excellent. Thank you so much, Andy. We'll talk to you down the line. Enjoy the rest of the season. Yeah, appreciate you. All right. That was Andy Kotzka from the Baltimore Banner. We're going to hit our final break here, and when we come back in, we'll close things out with Zach's and my pick, and we Zach's got to run, so we're going to close things out pretty quickly after the break. Stay tuned for more on the Battle Round next. It's game on every day at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Here, you are in on every play with 100-foot screens at Sports & Social, the best table games action, and FanDuel Sportsbook all just steps away. The best bar bites and drinks to indulge in steaks and curated cocktails. Your game day only gets better when matched up with Live's distinguished dining options. Late game? No problem. Our luxury hotel awaits. Live Casino and Hotel Maryland is the place to be on game day and every day. For more information, visit www.maryland.livecasinohotel.com. Hotel.com. At Arundel Mills, must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1 800 Gambler. Catch that festival feeling in Charm City. Everywhere you go, you'll find exciting entertainment, delicious eats, and endless summertime fun. Cheer on the O's at Camden Yards, pick crabs by the waterfront, beat the heat inside a world-class museum, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Go to Baltimore.org for more information and to plan your visit. Maryland drivers, did you know you can save up to 77% on tolls with an EasyPass Maryland discount plan? That's right, 77%. It's never been easy. Pick the plan that's right for you at driveezmd.com. We'll keep you moving. Hey, O's fans, on Saturday, August 5th, when the O's take on the New York Mets at 7.05, celebrate the 40th anniversary of the 1983 World Series by being one of the first 20,000 fans, 15 and over, to receive an Eddie Murray 1983 World Series bobblehead. Presented by Royal Farms. Come out to honor this World Series championship team and arrive early for Early Bird Saturdays when gates open two hours early with happy hour, live music, and more. Get your tickets today at Orioles.com tickets. Exciting weekend of affordable family fun at Prince George's Stadium with the Bowie Bay Sox. One of the most special nights of the season on Friday the 4th, Navy Night. Come celebrate the newest plead class. Back-to-back fireworks carry on to Saturday with our pregame touch-a-truck event. And it's the last of our big hitter bobbleheads, Colton Kowser on Sunday for the first 750 fans. Get your tickets now by calling 301-805-6000 or anytime online at baysox.com. The Bowie Bay Sox, let us be your nine-inning vacation. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world real fresh real fast royal farms it's a maryland thing you wouldn't understand where the waves meet the shore you will find dorchester county hi this is jimmy charles when i think of maryland i think dorchester county on the eastern shore where it's open for making memories. Dorchester County, it's a Maryland thing. For more info, visit www.visitdorchester.org. It's a Maryland thing. Hell yeah. It's a Maryland thing. Hell yeah. 
the latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Dave Ginsburg remembers Goose as he looks back on the impact that late Tony Saragusa had both on and off the field here in Baltimore. Plus, he explains how Goose's kids are working to continue that legacy with the Goose Flights program. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles the path Tyler Wells has taken to becoming a star in the Orioles rotation, and you'll find a special summer travel guide with information about events and activities throughout the state. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the O's, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, we are back here live with you on the bat around. And by we, I mean me, I, Paul Valley. I'm back with you, Zach. Uh, as you can see, I am not Zach. Zach is headed to Florida on a family vacation with the family. He had to be out of here promptly at noon. And we ran a little bit long, still much shorter than we usually do. But Zach could not stick around for the final segment. Um, so in case you were wondering... Um, Last week, I had Anthony Santander, Ben McDonald took Gunnar Henderson, and Zach took Ryan O'Hearn. Gunnar hit 323. He had two home runs, six RBIs, four doubles in the week amongst his 10 hits. O'Hearn hit 333, but Gunnar's OPS uh, was about 200 points higher uh, in the 960 range, whereas. Uh, O'Hearn was in the 760 range. So Gunner won. O'Hearn came in second. Anthony Santander, the hits that he got were really big. He had a three-hit game in there. He had a grand slam. He drove in six, but otherwise he left much to be desired. 208 with a 292 um, uh, on base percentage last week. I got to tell you, this is my worst performance in the history, I think, of Take to Rake. I, I, I don't think I've won in the last two months. I may Maybe one or two wins in the last two months, but it's been... It's been pretty bad, a pretty bad stretch. i got to turn it on here uh, for the rest of the season. Zach told me his pick. Obviously, he's taking Gunnar Henderson uh, for this week since that player is available to him. Uh, we heard Andy Kotchka from the from the Baltimore Banner, and he took Anthony Santander, who was my pick last week. So that leaves me with a number of options. Part of me really wants to take Jordan Westberg because I really like the way he's been playing, and I think he's been quietly swinging a really productive bat for the Orioles since coming up to the ball club. Um, but I also know that he's not going to play as much because of Adam Frazier. So we're looking at this team. Can I take anybody other than Adley? It's got to be Adley, right? I got I got to take the Adley pick. Adley's due for a home run or two. He hasn't really he really hasn't homered in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm going to take Adley Rutschman, Andy Kotzka uh, again from the Baltimore Banner coming on and taking Anthony Santander after Ben McDonald's win with Gunnar Henderson last week. Zach taking the uh, low hanging fruit. Uh, he's going to be taking Gunnar Henderson. I'm taking Adley Rutschman for this week on take to rake. Uh, that's going to do it for us on the show today. Orioles playing some excellent baseball. They're coming up tonight. The 40th anniversary celebration of the 1983 World Series. Jim Palmer throwing out the first pitch. If you're going to the game, you're going to want to get into your seats by about 620. Uh, at least that's what Brett Hollander said on the broadcast last night because there's a lot that's going to be celebrated at Camden Yards tonight, and they're giving away an Eddie Murray bobblehead, which is so freaking awesome. I wish I would have had the foresight earlier in the year to take this Saturday off uh, from the restaurant to go to the game because, you know, I missed the uh, 60th uh, anniversary of the Baltimore Orioles in 2014, and that was an epic win over the Cardinals, and 
the Orioles had a magical season that year. I missed that. I missed the 30-year celebration of Camden Yards. And now I'm missing the 40-year celebration of the 83 World Series. i got to get better at really figuring out uh, the dates ahead of time and having the foresight to take off from the restaurant when I want to come in and see these games. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you to our guest, Stan the Fan Charles, for his weekly segment. Another great segment with him today. Andy Kotzka from the Baltimore Banner. Always nice when we get to talk. He always has great intel and great conversation points for us. Uh, thank you to all of our sponsors. Without you, we don't have a show. Thank you to all of our listeners. Without you, we definitely do not have a show. Ravens back in training camp. They are looking for a huge season. Zach and I will give our thoughts on that next week when he's back and has more time. Uh, Orioles first place in the the best division in baseball with the second best record in baseball. They seem to win every night these days. It's a special time, Baltimore, to be a Baltimore sports fan. Hope you're enjoying it as much as we are. Until next week, see ya! <laughs>